0: We've unlocked a miserable podcast of secrets. This is episode 17, and today we have the second of the three-part series on hardware launches in North America. Last week we covered consoles from the Atari VCS through the Super NES, and today we'll we'll go from the Sega Saturn through the original Xbox, I think. So that's some very interesting stuff in there for sure. And we'll bring it home next time with the current generation of consoles and maybe a handheld system or three, um, in case anyone's interested in those. My name is Nick Vlamakis. I'm the executive editor of The Next Level, which you can find at www.the-nextlevel.com. The Next Level with hyphen in there. If you forget where the hyphen goes, no sweat, just search for the phrase The Next Level in your favorite major search engine and you'll get a nudge in the right direction. That's about it. Uh, before we go any further, let's welcome the rest of the crew that's here today. We have kind of a skeleton crew. To the far right, Mech Deus, Chris Rubin. Approved. Yes. And to the far left, don't even ask what he likes to pack in, Maurizio Mosetti. What? Yes. hey. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I have a couple of messages we received weeks ago, but I never got around to playing. Both are from Korean, um, who called us at the Secrets Hotline, 312-233-2865. Now, these are a little dated, but I thought they were lost, so I found them, and here they are. First, the longer one.
1: Hi, I'm calling about the podcast, and I had some different ideas. I know the Vita had just come out, and I was hoping to talk about some of the hands-on experiences, but I guess Nizzo already is in the works to talk about that. So another idea would be to have an obscure game of the week, a special part that would discuss maybe an old game that no one's ever heard of, whether it be a Japanese import or just some really goofy game that hasn't gotten the recognition it should. And again, talking about some different aspects of game soundtracks and how the gaming industry is changing to basically the digital distribution and maybe talking with a collector such as myself who purchases sealed games.
2: They should have been lost.
0: They should have been lost, yeah.
2: Just like our original podcast. That's not nice.
0: Our original podcasts are still around and I don't know how usable they are, but when we put out the box set, you know, the uh the blu rays. S-
3: they were saved as FLV for some reason. I sleep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, he uh, he recorded the first. He recorded his voice for the first podcast, and it was like a MOV file <laughs> or something. It was some video it was. file.
2: We were all like, "What?" So some
0: stupid Mac program I, he was using. I
2: remember Josh being like, "What is this shit?"
0: Yeah. Well, okay. We were so much younger then, weren't we?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but this NEC thing. I mean, we we talked about the Turbo Graphics last week a little bit when we were talking about the console launches. But I think that, I think we could definitely do a whole show about that easily. i we might have to bring in an expert though, I don't, is anybody here?
2: yeah, an not expert? me. I saw a turbo graphics once. I don't think we even actually played it or hooked it up. It was just one of my friends was like, "Look, I do own a turbo graphics sixteen, and it was like, "Wow, that sure is a system,
4: yeah, I and that's a my entire play,
2: experience with it
0: yeah, I think we're gonna experience. need to get something a little more than that for a for a ninety minute podcast. you know just... you
2: say that, <laughs>
0: yeah, but yeah, I guess somehow like a sponge it always expands to gigantic proportions anyway never mind. thank you never mind and then we we, we're going to do the uh contour the beginning of these we were going to do the um the spot where we each played a game. I was going to, I suggested Parodius for the first one. We all played it that week. And then we talked about it a little and kind of introduced people to games that they might have missed that we think are pretty cool. Cause that game stands up today. I think, I think a lot of people would enjoy playing it and seeing kind of, you know, there's that giant showgirl, um, stage and all those, all, all those different little weird spots. I think a lot of people that have, are not familiar with it would probably play it and enjoy it at least on easy.
2: Maybe it's. I've always had a hard time with those because it's like with with Gradius and with R type or Gradius, whatever Gradius, we decided on. It was Gradius. It's Gradius. Okay.
0: Yeah, we've established it's
2: Gradius. Okay. Um, it's like that really slow side-scrolling shooters. Like they, I, I just I have such a hard time playing them because they're they're slow to the point that I start getting impatient, and I always end up dying repeatedly by basically just grinding the front of the screen or trying to do tricky stuff all the time for no good reason. I don't know. I just can't take them. They're too slow for me. I I can't well, deal
0: with it those. Well, it might be time to re-examine your stance on them and get your crotch off the TV. Who grinds on the TV? What are you talking about? And then uh, maybe sit back at an at a, at a appreciable distance and, and, and play with a controller in your hand.
2: No, I I actually I just got R-Type on my iPhone, like, I don't know, really? like maybe a week or two ago for the fuck of it. And I was like, hey, it's 99 cents. Maybe I'll like it more than I used to, and no, it's still it just bores me. Our well, type is very so slow. slow. Yeah, our type yeah. is a very
3: slow, deliberate game. Uh, tons of with memorization. a lot of
0: memorization. Yeah. Right. Oh my god, stereo.
2: <laughs> well,
3: that's what it is. What
2: do you yeah, want? I mean, it's not even the memorization that gets to me. It's just like it's so slow paced. Enemies come out at such a measured pace. There's like only a few bullets. Like, I, I go from something like Dodonpachi, and it's like, this is fantastic, and then I go to R-Type, and I'm like, sweet Jesus, I should be reading a magazine at the same time that They're I'm very playing this They're different game types, you know? Yeah, they are. And I'm just not as big a fan of any of those, which is why I never even got to the parodyist games. I remember them being so lauded in game magazines back back in the day, and being like, this is fantastic, it's like Gradius, but funny. It's like I hate Gradius. Well, it's more it's more Gradius? about the exp-
0: it's more about the experience. It's like seeing a. I mean, you might not like a, a particular genre of a movie, but sometimes a movie comes out in, in a genre you don't like that's just so cool that has so many things to see and talk about that it's just it's just worth playing. And Grad- um, I'm sorry, Parodius has a lot of. I mean, you can choose from a lot of little wacky ships, and you can you go see just a lot of you know. I'm not even going to spoil some of the bosses in there. And the music it it uses some you know classic music i don't know if it uses Sabre dance or what's the other one that it uses, but it's just uh it's just an entertaining experience anyway let's uh let's get to the to the subject at hand we We talked about talked about all the early systems the early early systems last time we we're going to talk about just the plain early systems this time, starting with the Saturn and probably going up to the just before the current ones, so I trust we were all around for those.
2: Yes, I was yeah. alive. Okay, that's
3: Except good. Like nothing positive to say about this entire generation <laughs> at this point. This is a
0: great. This was a uh, great set of consoles that we're about to talk about. Um, the Saturn.
2: Eventually, I, it was yeah. a great set of consoles. No,
0: well, the Saturn was my favorite for a while until the Dreamcast came out. Well,
3: I think the Saturn got screwed pretty nasty. Like, number one, by Sega's incompetence in general, uh, in marketing. Uh, also, by trying to jump the gun and getting ahead of everybody. But I think that the biggest flaw is that they they built, like, a 2D machine, you know? Like, spinning off from what was popular in the, the 16-bit era. They were like, we're gonna make the best goddamn 2D machine that we could make, and it's gonna blow people's minds. And then Sony and Nintendo, well, Nintendo much later, but Sony went with, with the whole Polygon thing, and people were like, this is what we want now, is shitty really ugly looking fucking polygons. And Saturn's like, well, I think we can do that. And they made the shittiest, the ugliest looking polygons you could possibly imagine. On yeah, the it looked like
0: soup with tortilla chips
3: it floating was, in it. And it, it's like
2: this is a fighting game. Yeah,
3: that's not what the Saturn was made for, I don't think. Because every
2: the, transparency was like a grid. It looked like fences everywhere because it couldn't even fucking do transparencies.
3: Yeah, it kind of felt like it was, it was, it was forced to do something it wasn't built to do, and and because of that, it couldn't never quite compete. Head to head with a game like, well, you know what, PlayStation didn't even have any early good games. Like the first, my first good memories of a PlayStation are probably Metal Gear Solid and like Ape Escape after that new controller came out. But before then, I can't remember anything I even cared about. No, on the PlayStation. okay,
2: even then though, like if you look at the end of life Saturn games, I mean, look at like Burning Rangers. Burning Rangers was hideous. I love that game. I, I love have the game it. To I death. love it too. But yeah, no, you're I right. I fucking one hundred percent that game. But it's like it. The draw distance is like 10 feet, and it, polygons are just constantly warping all over the place. It's, it it's, like, siphon absolutely... it's like
3: Siphon Filter 1, or maybe even right. worse levels of, of graphics.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it might be worse. And that's the thing, is that was an end-of-life Saturn game um, made by Sega. Like, yep. this wasn't even some, like, shitty third party. I this think was... it was a little
3: ambitious, too. I mean, you have, like, something it like was. Knights. Like, Knights is fine, you know? I'm not a huge fan of Knights, but it looks good and it plays well. And then, so um, trying to remember what else they had that was 3D that wasn't an abomination. A uh, Panzer Dragoon was was good, although that was well, ugly. That was ugly yeah, beyond belief. Like
2: it had really good art design, but Panzer Dragoon uh, Saga. This is like, not.
0: This is not an indictment of the yes, Saturn. We're here to talk about the I launch am crapping of the Saturn. All over it. You, yeah, your your crap mechanism just has <laughs> your your sphincter is very dysfunctional. Well, I, mean, just,
3: I I think the launch for all these systems were, for me was just so I couldn't even give a tiny shit about any of these launches i don't think i, I was ex- any of these systems day one
0: i was excited about the saturn um because i was smart enough to not buy 32x even though right. that sounded kind of good until i actually thought there were no games available for it but as we talked about did last did anybody
3: week. buy like a legit 32x on release yes
2: they did oh um, well it, w- it wasn't on release but i got it for christmas i got a 32x and i got star wars arcade and it was that was all I wanted for it, and I was ridiculously happy with that. As a that's kid. Great.
0: yeah, that's especially if you didn't pay for it, thirty two X with it, yeah, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good thing to have.
2: But I was I actually
0: was calling. I think I said this before, but it's relevant. I was calling Sega for some reason that day. I think I had a question about something. I don't know. I was a lonely kid, and I used Sega, to call.
2: Why are you releasing
3: this? You were like on the bed, you know, laying down, you know, playing. I'd be like calling Sega. Hey Sega, what you thinking?
0: Twirling the uh, phone cord around my finger. No, but, you know, ever since, like we said last week, ever since uh, the Nintendo hotline went from, uh, I think it was initially a, an, an 800 number, and then it went to a, a total call, and then I think they started going to a 900 number or something. Anyway, for some reason I was calling Sega, and they said, oh, I I, I said uh, something about the Saturn launch, and she said, oh, you know, the Saturn's available today. As Today, it just went on sale today. And I said, "What are you kidding?" Because this was it was supposed to come out on Saturn Day, September second, wow. of nineteen ninety five, I think it was. And I was calling on May eleventh, nineteen ninety five. This is almost four months before it was supposed to come out. And she said, "It's due. Yeah, it's due today." So they they had announced at E three, which right. was in May that year, that it's available at certain retailers. They had like four Toys R Us and whoever else, and they just put it out there suddenly suddenly one of the one of a series of poor decisions that they made that just annoyed everybody and just lost them a lot of credibility and that's what you were talking about mizo when you were talking about the sega's crappy marketing and, right. and business savvy it was
3: just kind of the 32x and then followed by the saturn so quickly and the whole jumping the gun on the, yeah it was, it was a bunch of uh weird decisions one after the next i think
0: and then, what did Sony do? They right away they said, you know, well, you know what? The PlayStation's coming out in September, <laughs> but it's going to be a hundred dollars cheaper than the Saturn. Yeah, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Nail
0: n- nail nail number ten in the coffin of Sega. So,
3: what was the Saturn launch lineup like then? If you remember so much,
0: <laughs> I unfortunately I got screwed by Sega again. Not only because I bought a Saturn, but when I when I went when I because I was saving up for for Saturn Day and I was trying to get every penny I could and then all of a sudden four months early they say oh you know you can buy one today I had no money so I finally saved up to buy it and as I recall Sega offered just the system for two for three ninety nine well, that's amazingly expensive for a Saturn and then they had the um they had the I think it was like four three or four fifty or something for. Uh, the bundle with Virtua Fighter. But the Toys R Us I went to didn't have the bundle. So I had to buy the Saturn for $3.99 and Virtua Fighter for, I think, like $64.99 Mm. because I didn't want to have a system with just a demo disc. So, yeah, I was... uh, And I wasn't even really into Virtua Fighter either. I don't know what I was doing. What a little Saturn fanboy I was.
3: Launching with a fighting game is always weird because I think that's a pretty... I mean, that's not... That's a niche, right? It's not like everybody will love a fighting game. Everybody loves Street standard, World Cup yeah. and, like, everybody Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Like everybody would love a platformer, like a Mario game, you know. But I don't know if everybody would love Virtua Fighter.
2: And they were they were kind of consistent. I mean, the Saturn had a launch fighting game. The PlayStation had a launch fighting game. The Dreamcast had a launch window fighting game. When did War
0: Gods come out for the Nintendo 64? Oh, Jesus.
2: I can't believe you remember that existed. I kind of hate you a little bit right now.
3: Well, so so what were the launch games for Saturn then? You had Virtua Fighter, Nobody Cares. Virtua Fighter,
0: Panzer Dragoon.
3: Okay, that was pretty good. I like Panzer Dragoon. Daytona USA. And that's popular.
0: Yeah, that's... A lot of people love that. I think Clockwork Knight was the launch game.
3: Okay, that was a good game. I mean, it wasn't anything special, but...
0: And then, um, I don't know if these were at launch, like the day of launch, but they had a golf game and a soccer game as well. So I guess, I mean, those, those are niche titles too, but I guess, you know... People do play those genres, I don't know about golf so much, but
2: someone does like I'll play hot shots
3: golf, and that's about it. I wouldn't play like Lee Trevino's fighting golf or something.
2: you should yeah I don't know i mean i I liked Panzer Dragoon um at just the whole series. I really liked that series. I did not actually buy a Saturday at launch. One of my friends had one. He got it right away. We played a lot of Virtua Fighter, but I didn't really care about that series too much um most of the rest of them, I just wasn't that into. I I don't know. It took me a while to get around. It, it was actually the 2D games that originally brought me around to a Saturn.
0: What about the 2.5D games like Bug?
4: Mm,
2: did
0: not care. <laughs> Where you kind of walked into the screen It's for some parts right, of the platform. Right. Um,
3: I never played Bug. I can't tell you how good or bad it is. But uh, I don't remember there being a lot of those games I liked on the... Like, what kind of... Ge- I mean, there was Tomba on the PlayStation, but was there a game like that on the Saturn, aside from Bug? I can't remember.
2: Yeah, I can only think of the PlayStation ones, like Pandemonium.
3: Well, I mean, like, the big draw of the Saturn, and this wouldn't be until years after launch, so I don't even know what we're talking about right now, but the big draw would be the 2D games, view. and most of them were Japan-only, pretty much, right?
0: The system did a lot better in
3: like, Japan you had than like than the, the All the Capcom games, which were perfect on the Saturn. Yeah. like amazing. Yeah, they were
2: awesome. The, I have all The of those. Dungeons and Dragons bundle, that was fantastic.
3: Yeah, and then you had the same games come out on the on this PlayStation and just suck royal balls. Like, Marvel Super Heroes versus Street Fighter was the worst thing.
0: So you're looking at this system that has like seven CPUs, three GPUs, whatever whatever it is. <gasps> it this was like a nightmare to program for you. Yeah. yeah, extremely complicated system. And as you said earlier, they're really concentrating on 2D and 2.5D and... As we saw later, PlayStation threw everything in behind 3D. Even, though, even if the games weren't that good, as long as they were 3D and, and moving polygons, they they really pushed them. So you're looking at Virtua Fighter, which is a classic fighting game. But is that really something that sells systems to people that aren't like me and aren't fanboys and aren't just waiting to throw their money down the drain?
2: I, I think the big problem there which comes in is simply that Virtua Fighter is such an in-depth technical fighter. Well, back it does then, not appeal it? to a huge audience.
3: What was the first game I mean, in-depth and technical? I remember you would jump, yeah. and you would float yep. away, and a small <laughs> breeze would cause a ring out.
2: You would the just, jumps was were ridiculous. hilarious, that especially on like selling. Dural stage. Yeah, It was like underwater and you floaty jumps. So you're, It's like fucking Mega Man, where you just...
3: I mean, you would jump at least ten times your height. In that game, right? Like Street Fighter's one times your height. That's already kind of ridiculous. I think Virtua Fighter one, you would jump about ten times higher than taller than your character, and then you would just fall outside the ring and you would lose. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I remember of Virtua Fighter one. I, that's probably not even accurate, but that's yeah. what I
4: but remember. But I mean,
2: it was still because you know, look at like look at how well Soul Cal- or yeah Soul Calibur did on the Dreamcast. Like that helped move systems. Yeah, you know, it was like that kind of combination. Like it. Well, see, it was technical, but it was also very easy for people to
4: pick up and well, you know
3: what? I think a big a big thing of Soul Calibur, and now we're jumping to Dreamcast, but a big thing about Soul Calibur Stop is that. that it came out after the arcade release. It looked like 10 times better than the arcade release, and it was awesome all around. So it's an amazing game that came out looking even better than the arcade version on Dreamcast. And I think that's the first time I ever tried S-Video. That was a damn good launch game because it was so impressive. Virtua Fighter 1... I don't think it looked as good as the arcade. The arcade didn't even look that good because we're talking about early polygon, like, you know, like virtual racer shit. It was ass-ugly.
0: It was an ass-ugly game and asking – think about it from the perspective of of a child trying to convince the parent to buy a $450 bundle where they get one game with it. And they say, "Look, mom, there's the game." And it's just if you if you don't know what version the first Virtua Fighter looks looks like, look it up and just see Wolf's face and
3: Virtua Fighter Two on the Saturn itself was a huge improvement over Virtual Fighter One on the Saturn.
0: I, as I recall, Sega released Virtua Fighter Remix, and I think they gave it away free to some people just to apologize. Apology, yeah. yeah, as an mm-hmm. apology for I- Virtua Fighter which I spent 75 bucks for.
2: You know what you should have shown your parents to convince them that this was an upgrade was shown them the 32X version of Virtua Fighter. And then been like, look, and now look at what we could have. (laughs) As as hideous as Virtua Fighter is. (laughs) Oh my God, that port of Virtua Fighter was just like the worst thing known to man.
0: All right, so let's rate this launch based on what we know about it. So Sega at this point, New games are still coming out for the Genesis. Adventures of Batman and Robin, and other games are coming out for the Genesis.
2: Wasn't Vector Man around that time too? Vector
0: Man, yeah. Those are good games. 32X. They're Shit. trying to. They're trying to keep the 32X afloat. They they have the Sega CD that they're trying to sell too. They're supporting all these, and now they're trying to throw all their weight behind as much of their weight as possible behind the Saturn, and. I don't really think the games... I mean, Daytona USA was nice. They were, they were positioning Panzer Dragoon as kind of virtual reality because you're surrounded by everything. And uh, it was kind of a lackluster launch, I would think. Even beside the fact that they screwed over everybody by launching so early, I think this was kind of disastrous, this yeah. launch.
2: And they never had a Sonic game. If they had designed a launch Sonic game, that might have been able to help push something, even if it was 2D.
0: Yeah. Virtua Fighter just was not a system seller. What did we no got? Way. We got
3: like the we got like that stupid overhead Sonic one the three quarters view one.
2: Right? Oh crap. On the Saturn.
3: Sonic something. Sonic shit. And then we got the uh we got Traveler's Tales fucking Sonic Racing. The worst game I have ever played in my life. That's yeah no. They never did come out with a good Sonic for it. How would, How do you fuck that up? Like
2: I don't know. I think, what was it? The best Sonic for it was Collection. Yeah. Just because it was other It had good the 3D Sonics. menu.
3: Like, the actual overworld menu was the 3D Sonic. That was the only good That was thing. it. Yeah. That's bad. That's pretty bad. All right. And then
0: about, what? Four, about four months after the Saturn actually launched, and about a week after it was supposed to launch, PlayStation came along, and they targeted the newer technology, they really pushed themselves as the 3D system. They sold more, they sold, I think, was it uh, 25% more copies in one weekend, more consoles in one weekend than the Saturn sold in that entire time it had been out. They just, they slaughtered the the Saturn just right out of the gate. And interestingly, you know how uh, the PlayStation was conceived, right? I was
3: going was, was to ask right. if the stories were true, if this is 100% canon. I was going to actually ask that in a bit. So
2: <laughs> no, They, like they con it.
0: Dr. Doom and Mr. Fantastic were working on a CD-ROM add-on. No, it was, it was Nintendo hired Sony to make a CD-ROM add-on for the Super Nintendo. And then they had a little quibble about money. I guess uh, Nintendo didn't want to split the revenue the way Sony right. wanted to split the revenue. Like so they wanted they said money n- off
3: every disc or something like that. Yeah,
0: so Nintendo said, we'll get Philips to do it, and said, Sony uh. can go away. And that was the worst decision Nintendo ever made, probably. <laughs> Biggest mistake. They really guys, screwed themselves.
3: Which led to the fucking Zelda games on the CDI. Oh my god. <laughs> what a trail. <laughs> that was it. Nintendo's punishment.
2: I almost want to look up the YouTube videos of those again because they are just some of the worst shit can you shit. even
3: imagine a world where Sony makes a console and Nintendo makes the games can you even imagine that, that kind of world I can't I can't even
2: think about it imagine a world where Nintendo makes the consoles and Philips makes the video games
0: What a what a beautiful dreamer you are but, I mean, I got I to gotta say, I, I didn't like Sony PlayStation at the beginning, and I don't think I have ever really liked the first PlayStation be- beyond a few games. Like, what? You know, like Resident- I loved
4: it. Their
3: launch, launch titles right from were... The, the, the launch sucks. Yeah, I don't even care what, what the games were. I didn't care. I'm telling you, I didn't care at all until... I think it was around the time of the controller redesign. I think that's when Metal Gear Solid hit. And oh, Jesus, uh, that was a while. Ape Escape, and some other shit. And all of a sudden, you look, and the library was ridiculous in terms of, like, RPGs, you know, platformers, just everything you could ever want in the game console. You can probably but find you, a But good... you,
0: you had no inkling of that at launch. I mean... Oh, no, not at, Battle at all. Battle Arena Toshinden.
2: Okay, k- I clique the that. DNA
0: Imperative.
2: You, it, as <laughs> stupid as it fucking sounds, Toshinden... There were actually, there were two games that really sold me on a PlayStation, because I didn't buy a PlayStation at launch. I was too poor at the time. Um, but we did rent one for, like, a week. And even though this was like a month after launch, the two games I got it was Battle Arena Toshinden and Destruction Derby, and I fucking loved the shit out of oh those games. Oh my god,
0: Destruction Derby! I played that on the Dreamcast. That was a that, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I like that. Destruction
2: game. Derby was great. Um, because I mean, it was like deformable racing cars, like smashing them up. Like the only thing previous to that was like fucking Carmageddon, and Carmageddon used 2D models, I think, well, like the well. first one did. Like, the second one was incredible because it supposedly used 3D models, but it was also an absolutely horrible game. Um, But it was like, here we are, we've got racing, we've got deformable models, like, this is fucking incredible. Plus, during one of the um, Destruction Bowls, if you drove just right, you could launch your car, like, a quarter mile into the air, which was not supposed to happen, and I love breaking physics. Um, And so that was just, like, absolutely mind-blowing to me. And the original Shinden, it was like... I mean, it looked great. It may play like shit, but it was like, you compare Virtua Fighter on the Saturn to Toshinden, and Toshinden just looked amazing. And it was like, I have this at home? Yes. Fuck yes. I need this. I need this fucking system. This is fantastic. Oh, I'm I was, looking I was up. With I'm going to
3: look at a YouTube video of this game. <laughs>
2: You're gonna vomit now. Okay? No, I,
0: I was looking at Toshenden in, in in Game Pro and EGM, and I thought this looks terrible. And when I finally played it, it just confirmed what I thought. Oh god, it the just effects. it didn't play that great. It looked pretty crappy.
2: Oh my, it it did play pretty bad. Not that I really knew at the time, but I. But
4: I was people a stupid were convinced.
0: They were convinced that this was such a great game, and it really wasn't. It, it was obvious if you took the the red E glasses off that. Um,
2: this just it looks
3: pretty good for a PlayStation 1 game. I'm not going to lie.
2: Yeah, for a PlayStation look, 1 game, yeah. Yeah, let's look up some Virtua Fighter Saturn uh, right. to go alongside that. I, 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 I just that.
3: finished looking at Virtua Fighter. That's why I'm saying this game looks good. I
0: already said VF looked like crap.
2: Right, but that's the thing. Like You see, you, you kind of see that comparison right out of the gate. It was like the, um, the backgrounds in Toshinden looked great. There was, yeah. like, huge 3D objects off in the background. And all
0: these lighting effects and, yeah. and all that. Well, it was just you show, know, like, was just for show yeah. you
2: know? Right. It was. But it was a cool show when... Uh, what the fuck was I even... What is like, it with 12? the technology
3: that makes the floor fucking warp like crazy on a PlayStation when the camera moves around? Like, what, what makes that happen? Because I hate that.
2: Oh, the... It's Yeah, whenever it gets close to the camera, I don't know. Like the I've never floor bothered polys, to look like it the, up.
3: It's just... the whatever, what do you call it? Like the texture on the floor always seems to warp around like crazy on a PlayStation game. And
0: and then the other part of it was the marketing. I didn't really like the Sony marketing. It had kind of a... The, the slogan was Enus lives. And... it <laughs> <laughs>
3: <yeah. laughs> does not sound right. I didn't even figure out the marketing until like a year ago. I sort of got like I saw something that said, you are not. And then it was that backwards red E. And I was like, red E. I'm like, oh, ready. Oh, I wasn't ready. There's and now, more. Now I am, I guess. It gets
0: worse than that because the red, yeah, there was a lowercase e that was red and that was supposed to stand for ready. Now there was also Enus enos lives. Which is just so many backwards, right? I no. 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 Oh my God. The e stood for red e like it did in the other slogan. And the. NOS part stood for 9th of September, which was the launch date. Are you kidding so, me? So Enus,
3: But it was in, also Sony backwards in a way, right? Like in, it was both in, things. No, it was maybe? Sewn backwards. <laughs> Learn to spell. Well, e. I know, no, but I mean, it's like phonetically, it's Sony backwards.
0: Yeah. Not phonetically. Um, but yeah, the, the, so Enus was actually in Sony Think ready 9th of September. And how much did they pay? a marketing uh, agency to come up with that. It was just awful. They've all, they've, Sony has a history of just poor advertising oh, for even. their games. I, if we talk about the PSP next week, there are some awful PSP slogans because that I want to get Vita into. Because the beta
3: launch, people were talking about the old PlayStation Portal commercials and they are so bad. They're so
2: bad. I don't even remember them. I don't. Did I see them? I think we'll Dude, talk. Let's talk about them oh, next week. Can we week. talk
3: about them now?
0: No, let's talk about them next oh, week. Oh, but they are. Oh, Jeez, Chris. you're just like an instant gratification. I'm gonna send you a link. I'm gonna send you a, just,
3: just. <laughs> just, send you a link. Chill out. This is just. I, okay, let's move on.
0: Okay, so with Battle Arena Tosin, which I was probably the highlight of the launch. I, I, was there any? Do, do you, any of you see any must-play launch titles? I mean. We had uh, Battle Arena, ESPN Extreme Games. I mean,
2: fucking Street Fighter the movie. That is a must-play.
0: Rayman, I think, was the best of the bunch. I mean, NBA Jam you could play on the Genesis. Maybe you've already played that 100 um, is a hundred times. Rayman's pretty okay. awesome Ridge game. Like just as okay. far as
2: like pure games go, like that's the only one I could say. Yeah, I would play that today.
0: But would you buy a system for it? Even nah. back then?
4: Nah. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah, kind of a we're really. at kind
0: of a weak launch here.
2: Yeah, if it hadn't been a game that I, I just like you said, like I owned it for the Genesis and I played the living fuck out of it on the Genesis and loved it to death. If I hadn't already owned it, if it was like, hey, here's a new game, maybe. I would yeah. contemplate it.
3: I mean, these days I have the disposable income and I kind of have the whole thing where like I'll be I'll keep an eye out for, for the for the technology, you know? I'll be like, wow, that's really impressive tech. In the future, they will do something awesome with this. I should buy the system. I'm really impressed by it. But back in the day, uh, obviously, I didn't have the disposable income, and it was all about the games, like 100% about the games. So if you didn't have a good game out for the system at launch, I couldn't have cared less. And all these systems, PlayStation and Saturn, <laughs> I just didn't give even half a shit for the longest time because I never, I didn't feel like the games were, were up to it. For a long time.
0: Now, as far as Street Fighter the movie, I remember wanting it because I thought that it played like Street Fighter Two. Let's let's try to remember this. Street Fighter Two Turbo. Oh, what's the one with Cammy and DJ? Um, Turbo S- T- Super Turbo Super Street Fighter Two Turbo. I thought it played like that. It just they overlaid the stupid digitized characters. I ended up buying it for <laughs> nope. five dollars for nope. the Saturn. <laughs>
3: It does not play like that at all. <laughs> but I Didn't would
0: you learn
2: uh, the horrible truth.
3: It was five bucks.
4: Oh, God. I, I think I played it once.
2: Arcade. I Even at that young, stupid age when I enjoyed Battle Arena Toshin, and I could not stand Street Fighter the movie. You know,
0: it would be interesting to sit down a couple of gamers that, that are, let's say, uh, tw- under 25 or under 20, and give them Street, <laughs> street Fighter the movie and uh, Battle do do Arena.
3: Why do you hate them so much?
2: <laughs> That'll teach a little brats. You
3: gotta bring a few
2: buckets, vomit
3: buckets. Just give buckets. them those
0: two games and see. I'll say which one is the better razors.
3: game. <laughs> Some hot pokers for their eyes for relief. No, it's I. I don't know. I mean, was there? Is do you think that that generation had more complete just garbage? come out than this generation does for like their main consoles.
0: Yeah, it's too costly not to produce garbage, I think. Well,
2: there was also a lot of experimentation back then. I mean, 3D was like new and it was big and like you could sell pretty much anything, for, you know, to an extent. And so, you know, it was just it was a lot easier for them to put out stuff like that, you know, and get away with it. Like I don't know, just as far as like design goes. I mean, you look at a lot of the movement back then like Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider moved strictly on a square scale it was like everything was in specific blocks like that that kind of movement wouldn't pass today
3: right well well tomb raider was like a 3d interpretation of prince of persia almost exactly yeah you know? it was, like they I mean, just it was they, kind they of took like to the that. controls and the the whole delayed jump and everything and they, they they took that 2d element of like you know programming with tiles which is what prince of persia did and they took that to a 3d environment programming in squares So, like, your run length before a jump was one square, you know, long, and everything was very deliberate and set. And so, I think, yeah, like you said, it's just, they're just trying things out. They're like, how does motion work in 3D? Will it work like this? Or will it work like Mario 64? And Mario 64 was right, but...
4: yeah. Yeah,
2: and, you know, Mario 64 had, you know, it was, like, really good momentum... Um, really good movement and all of that. And it took them a while to get to that point where they could really do things like that. But we didn't know. We weren't... People were still enamored with just the whole polygon aspect. It was like, sweet Jesus, I can play these awesome-looking games on a so, console.
0: So on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe a 7... I give it maybe a 7 for the launch. What do you...
2: I mean, I I would probably give it a, a 7, like, nostalgia view like back then these days. I mean, it's... It's kind of a trashy lineup, honestly. But back then, it was it was pretty decent.
3: PlayStation gets like a zero, and the Saturn got like a negative ten, in case anyone was wondering.
0: I haven't really played Ridge Racer, but Ridge Racer... I know Ridge Racer versus Daytona. I, I probably hear more people talking fondly about Saturn Daytona than PlayStation Ridge Racer. Um, Rayman wipes the floor with Clockwork
2: Knight. You know, the the biggest thing that I remember about Ridge Racer... Was that you could open up the PlayStation console, take out the Ridge Racer disc, because the game was so fucking small, it stored it in RAM, and then put in your own CD and it would start playing your own music to or your game. Or your own podcast. Right. Like, that was amazing. It was just like, that was the sort of thing where I'd go over to a friend's house and they'd be like, check this shit out. And it's like, holy fuck. That was incredible. They They had like neat little mini games, which I kind of wish they would do more of. They should do that in current games.
3: Is that because the loading screens were so fucking long and unbearable that you had to play?
2: Not not really. Because um
3: was it like press X to continue and you could just play as long as you wanted or I never played these games to
2: be the honest. loads were long but they weren't so long that you could actually finish any of these games. You would get like I mean, what were load times back then? Like 20, 30 seconds, maybe? Which, I mean, is pretty fucking long, but not like, I'm going to play an entire game of Galaga right now.
3: I mean, I'm fairly immune to Like, I'm okay with load times. Like, I played Monster Hunter on the fucking PSP, and apparently that has horrible load times. I never even cared or noticed, so...
2: I played Legacy of Kane, which had fucking, like, 10-second load times for your pause menu.
0: Now, speaking of load times, I I wasn't sure where to... Uh, where to wedge in this tidbit, but I think this seems, seems like a good place for it. Sega back, Sega, back in the Saturn days, was already talking big about Internet connectivity and had a thing called the Sega Netlink. And this was a 28.8 modem.
3: Oh, my God.
0: Which, as you know... Is excruciatingly slow for anything Blazing but back like in the day. you know a little note. Like if you wrote a note with like five letters, that would that would go through pretty much the same as it does today. But anything else, it takes it takes about three and a half days to transmit one gig over that speed. So yeah, Netflix is out of the question. But Netflix didn't exist back then, so they were selling asky porn. They were selling it for one hundred ninety nine dollars at that point, which is about what modems went for. Slow modems went for back then. And interestingly, Sega was really kind of ahead of the curve on this. And when we talk about the Dreamcast later, we'll see it come to fruition a little. Sony at this point um, sounded a lot like Nintendo did later, saying there's not really a demand for it. We're, we're, we have our eye on it, and when it becomes something valuable, we'll do it. But the I think five games worked with the Sega Netlink, and you can still play today – on the net because it opens kind of a peer-to-peer connection, I guess, or whatever it is. It it talks between your Saturn and the other person's Saturn directly over the the phone line, so you can still play Super Bomberman or Daytona or any of the uh, the games that played back then. You can still play them now. Um, so Sega was kind of Sega was kind of visionary, always been kind of visionary, and maybe that's kind of what got them into trouble because they were always looking so far ahead, they were tripping over it themselves trying to put all all these little steps in instead of just saying, let's wait, let's bide our time, let's get something together that's really impressive, and that's un- Unleash It. I think they kind of did that with the Dreamcast, but by then it was too late because they, they had already uh, cashed too many phony checks around town, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I mean, if they had put all that stuff together, hey yeah, yeah, that would have been pretty incredible. I don't know if... <sighs> I mean they they were experimenting with add-ons but there were so few of them like I think they were still kind of unsure just how bad it would be cuz like Nintendo kept planning for add-ons but never actually released anything at least not in America um the earlier Sega consoles like I mean the Genesis I think they had some limited success with the Sega CD um but then they then they kind of moved into the 32X and that was when it started going downhill and I think that was really what taught everyone the lesson of don't do this. Well, there really
3: was no need for the 32X, to be honest. Like, I understand what they were doing, trying to bridge the gap, but, I mean, really, you didn't need that. There was no need for the 32X whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and supporting for, or or promoting and supporting for different um, pieces of hardware at once, it really split the market. And I know that really annoys Mizzo all the time when he talks about Splitting the market with peripherals. This was even this was even worse it's just because they wanted to kind of cover all the bases, but and they just ended up alienating a lot of people. Saying we can't trust Sega because they're going to come up with something new n- next week, and I can't. I don't have I don't have enough money to to keep keep up with that. Like
2: like all the versions of the DS except without compatibility. Exactly,
0: exactly. And then speaking of poor decisions, uh, the Nintendo sixty four came out last in that generation. It came out a while after the PlayStation, but it was actually i mean if Still you listen terrible to, if you listen to the jaguar people they were you know they were the first sixty four bit system that which wasn't actually true it was jaguar math, but Nintendo was actually pretty powerful with the with the nintendo sixty four but they put their money they put it all behind cartridges, which were really expensive to make. And they knew ahead of time, they said, well, we're not going to have every game out for the Nintendo 64. It's not going to, there's not going to be a port of every game for Nintendo, but we're going to work, we're going to work hard to uh, ensure quality and that the best games come out for our system. But then the games would come out and they would be like 70, 80 bucks.
3: And who's going to buy that? And they that? would still suck.
2: And then who's going to pay 70 or 80 bucks for hybrid heaven?
3: Well, that, that, I think the N64 was the, first, N64 was the first console where, uh, Before then, you pretty much, like, you bought a Super Nintendo, you were guaranteed to have almost anything that came out. You had a Super Nintendo version, and it wasn't something you thought about. But once N64 came out, I think that's when the whole thing started, where you're buying the console for the really good Nintendo games, and everything else can go screw. I think N64 was the first system that really started that off.
2: Yeah, well, I think it was mostly just because. I mean, like you were saying, it's because of that whole cartridge fact. I mean, they that caused them to lose support from Square. Square,
3: wh- which was huge.
2: Right, which was basically. I mean, they were almost a Nintendo property before that, for all intents and purposes. Like, they hadn't. Had they done anything on, like, a Sega console? There's nothing I can think of. I, they had to have done something. I'm sure there was. I think
3: they were all about Nintendo.
2: Yeah, maybe there was some equivalent of Driving a Motion type S that ended up somewhere else, but. You know, they were they were basically, like, all the way on Nintendo, and then that support was just gone, because they were like, no, we want to have these awesome FMVs, and they won't fit on your shitty fucking cartridges.
3: And the thing is, like, you look at Square now, it's like, oh, eh, whatever. But during the 32-bit era, Square fucking took off like crazy. And I don't just mean Final Fantasy VII, but you had a Einhander, you had a... Oh, what God, Einhander.
2: Have... Einhander is, I think, the only slow... Um, side-scrolling shooter that I absolutely loved and played the shit out of.
3: I mean, you. I, what I'm saying is they were not restricted to just the RPGs that we all know and, and kind of enjoy somewhat. It was just across the board that we're putting out some pretty damn good games on the PlayStation One. And they went from being a sort of niche developer to being a huge power during the 32-bit era. And if Nintendo had held on to that, I think things would be pretty different. But they didn't. Remember so. that?
2: Like that summer, uh, I can't think of what the title was. It was like that summer uh, release where they had, it was like Legend of Mana. Um, oh, what is? They released like three or four games, like once a month all throughout this one summer, which was fantastic. I mean, they weren't really the greatest games ever, but I fucking loved them. I think I think that was like the same summer of Chrono Cross.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I liked every single one. I like Brave Friends of Musashi. I like Parasite Eve. I like. Uh...
2: Pretty much everything they put
3: out. Well, there was
2: a tech demo
0: that was kind of a precursor to Final Fantasy VII that was done on the Nintendo 64. Yeah, with Final Fantasy VI
3: characters and 3D graphics. They were still like the little chubby character looking things.
0: Right, but unfortunately, it never came to pass that Final Fantasy would come to the Nintendo 64, and it turned out to be a huge deal. Final Fantasy 7 turned out to be
2: huge for I mean, if you play seven nowadays,
3: I, you would probably not be that impressed by it. But back in the day... Locked
2: at 15 frames a second. Mm. Whatever. But
3: back in the day, I mean, if you play that when it came out and you saw those cutscenes... Like, I know the cutscenes don't add to the game, but it was a whole... It was like... Like, it was having the polygon graphics with the moving FMV background in some stages. And then also having the FMV... Like, the combination of everything made it just a cut above anything I'd played until that point.
2: It was a beautiful game at that time. It really
3: was very well made. Like that is the point where I, I saw the PlayStation as something pretty special. Before then, it was kind of like it can do 3D. It's kind of neat, whatever. But after that, I was Seven just blew me away. I mean, I don't even know how to say it better than it, that. I mean,
2: it blew a lot of people away. It was it was just frankly gorgeous. Um, I mean, I I thought the game kind of fell apart after you left Midgar, but like especially oh, like all the stuff that went on in there was gorgeous. I mean, it was uh, like this amazing environment. There were so many places you could go, and everything looked great and was hyper-detail. I mean, because they went with pre rendered graphics, you know they what's were able another to game? so much. I've got to
0: interrupt you. You know what? There's another game that's amazing. It has a lot of places you can go. It was a jaw-dropping game. Virtua and Fighter? You know what? It's on topic because I'm talking about Super Mario 64. Because we were talking about or the Nintendo <laughs> oh, launch, yeah, remember? Launches, the Nintendo 64 yeah, launch? Yeah. Don't I mean, let's talk about that because Super Mario 64 was a, was what is the term a watershed in in gaming history. It was it was a big turning point.
3: It pretty much created the whole 3D platformer genre and and set the course for 3D games to come for many years in the future. And again, that it was something that you hadn't played before.
0: It took two and a half years to make with a full-time staff of 40 people. They sunk. They said you can spend as much money as you need to and it really it really paid off because I Sega was trying to catch up with um with Nights which was a great game I played it I had fun I even got Yawn. the it, it came with a little analog controller yeah great you can yeah, get guess, kids yeah. and they're dreaming great but but super mario when you saw that that animation of mario taking bowser by the tail and spinning him around
4: and That mean, was pretty. You just awesome. had to get yeah. up and
0: cheer in in a way. It, it was it, this was 3D. You know, this was a game that was it wasn't something that was made like battle arena or it's yeah it's okay. This was a beloved property. This was and you knew these people knew how to make a good game. There there it was and it, it impressed the hell out of me. Of course I didn't beat it. <laughs> I've never beaten it.
3: <laughs> Are you serious? Oh my god, Nick. I but played that I, game I did so buy it, much. I did
0: buy it on launch. I did buy it at launch and I did play it for for a while.
3: But the funny part is that you, we talk about it with such reverence because it really was such a huge leap forward and and they've never done anything like that again. You would think that they're like, we you know, we we focus on making an amazing launch game and it was so great and it was you know, it was probably the last time that Nintendo was that awesome and then they why wouldn't you do that again in the future like what when the GameCube was coming out why wouldn't you hunker down and make an amazing Mario game to start it off with or
0: they made an amazing Zelda game afterward
3: afterward yeah I just mean the launch I'm talking about the launch like they've never Oh, you're trying to keep on topic now yeah I'm trying well if you you. want to jump off topic I was gonna say uh, you mentioned nights Elliot's dreams were not like little boy dreams I would have expected I think they would be a lot different if Nights were to jump into my dreams at that age. But anyway, that's what I was thinking while you were talking about the whole Nintendo thing. But anyway, uh, N64, like, they had an amazing launch only because of Mario. Like, period, because of Mario. The nothing else, else was there. Even, exactly. Nothing else even came close to mattering for months and months and months after release. But you know what? It was almost enough. I wouldn't say it was enough, because one game, fuck you. But honestly, it was almost enough. And I'm just very surprised that they've never tried to duplicate that by making an amazing fucking game at launch. They just never even tried to do that since that day.
2: Well, part of it was, I think, uh, just you know, further on is also that part of what made it amazing is because they added so much to Mario's abilities that just naturally made sense. Because um, I mean, Mario previously, like, he ran, he jumped. Like, that was it. In Mario 64, they add in all these additional abilities. Mario can now slide. Mario can do triple jumps. Mario can do wall jumps. And all of these things like make sense for the character and work, and they were beautiful and had precision controls. And so everything everything after that, like you're going to be basing just on level design. Like, Mario 64 was just kind of that perfect um, increase of taking the 2D games, putting them in a 3D environment, giving him moves that work in a 3D environment, and it's, you know, it's that huge jump in, jump in evolution that worked great. Like, kind of, like, similar to what they did with Zelda later on, but then, again, it it's, it's only been, like, small steps afterwards. It hasn't been... They haven't really had the chance to have that huge jump in evolution.
3: Well, I mean, what... Uh, as long as we... Uh, all we have now is just refinement of, of the 3D technology, you know, we're not going to... Unless you change the game to something radically different, we're not going to see a huge jump like that. I don't think.
2: Right. I mean, maybe they could experiment with the Mario controls to some extent and his abilities. Because I mean, right now it just kind of seems like they took Mario 64 and then they add in other stuff from Mario games, like hey, here's the Tanuki suit, and maybe you know, they can give like Mario
0: that. a romantic backstory, like they tried to do with Samus in uh, the other M, or just. <laughs>
3: Flashback to when he was a plumber living in New York. Before he, I'm going to go and say that the cartoon was canon. So he was an actual plumber in New York before he found that particular drain pipe that led him to the Mushroom Kingdom.
2: Do the Mario was actually his theme music.
3: I'm sad that Do the Mario was never officially recognized as and put into any of the games. I
0: mean, take the whole PlayStation launch lineup. Maybe take out Rayman, but take out, take all the rest of the games, combine them. I'd rather have Mario 64, I mean, without
2: hesitation.
3: Yeah, no, no doubt. That's easily just one out of the of best those games, yeah. games. It's one of the best launch games of all time, I would say, yeah. any console, because it was a game, like you said, nearly un- unlimited budget, given enough development time to actually mature, made specifically, like, I think the controller was probably made for the game. I was going to say, because the controller was made for that controller, game. I think it was made specifically just for this game. So it didn't you have work for everything... anything else. <laughs> yeah, sure as hell didn't really work too well for anything else. But it's just it's just a case of of actually putting in the effort to make a game specifically, f- just completely optimized, just one hundred percent for this console. And they've I don't think they've done anything like that since, to be honest.
0: So rate the launch. Is it better or worse than the PlayStation launch?
3: Uh, that's
4: tough.
2: Uh, I mean, just <laughs> on the merit of Mario sixty four, I would put it above the PlayStation launch. Like at the time. I cared a lot more about the games coming out on the PlayStation, but slightly more objectively, much later on, I would go with Mario sixty four.
4: Yeah,
3: I mean, if you liked Mario sixty four, then N sixty four, hands down, you know, definitely. But if you didn't like it, you're an asshole. So I don't know, base it on that.
4: <laughs> I
0: mean, if you had a, if you had electricity on Desert Island, Super Mario sixty four from that era. Would be definitely one of the games you would want to take with you if you could only take like five games. I mean, don't you think so? From that era, yeah, from oh, that Launch from that generation.
2: God, from that launch era. That's the only one you <laughs> fucking need. That launch era is miserable. Yeah, give me, give me that Kiliak, the DNA imperative. This is the beginning
3: of, of terrible launches and and the loss of the pack-in game. Which? Why would you? I mean, I thought that was a good. That was a solid strategy, right? To have a game. Packing in. games
2: were awesome.
3: Like what happened to that? Like what's what's so wrong with that? Well, look at look
0: at Mario sixty four. Like we said, it took it took a lot of money and time to make it. So, but it was I worth guess it. Games started to get more expensive to make, so they said, "Let's make as much money as we can off of it." And weren't a lot of console makers, if not all of them, selling the systems at at, at a loss already just to get people to buy software?
3: I think that's still the. Except for like the Wii, I think that's still the standard approach. Yeah,
0: yeah so there are probably um, legitimate reasons why we don't have pack-ins any, anymore like we used to. Bullshit Sad reasons. Christmas. Speaking of uh, launches that went correctly, I think the Dreamcast actually had it together for their launch.
2: Hang on, need to masturbate for a while. The
3: Dreamcast is like the saddest story because I think Sega got their shit together and did everything right yes you know oh my god dreamcast they did everything was so good. fucking right i don't even know what they could have improved on the dreamcast i the love controller. everything yeah yeah it was you know the cord needs to not come from the bottom i'm sorry like yeah, why, it was would, kinda retarded. why would you do that
2: that's just stupid like, you could clip it onto the back to make it work like a normal cord it but then you normal. right but you you lose like like two or three inches from doing that like what the shit it wasn't it's that long to begin with. It's because they had the with.
0: VMU and the rumble pack up at the top. There. You know,
2: they could have fucking stuck the VMU on the bottom. They could the have thing been locked room. in there.
3: But, you know, honestly, I love the VMU. I, don't, I, like, I like the VMU revision that came out later in the colors because the battery life was better. But even the original VMU, I like the idea of it. I like being able to play the Chow Adventure on the go. Because Sonic Adventure was a, a launch game, right? Yes. It was Sonic Adventure, Definitely. obviously, Soul Calibur. These I actually remember because I actually bought this shit at launch. Uh what was the next one? Power Stone. I think I think it was actually Oh my god.
2: The, f- the first system I bought at launch.
3: All three games right now so far amazing. Although two are fighting games, but Power I think Power Stone is such a radically different fighting game that I'll accept it as a different entry.
0: The hardware the hardware was was great. The network connectivity out of the box you could you could connect they had a modem already there for you. You could. They encourage you to sign up for to the internet. There was a web browser. I think that came in there too.
3: AT and T WorldNet. Yeah, and I signed yes. up for that shit. That was my that was my first personal ISP. Was through the Dreamcast. Oh, The VMUs the were worst. were
0: kind of cool. Explain the VMUs, somebody to for maybe somebody who doesn't know what they are.
3: Well, it was, Vis- a, it was, it was memory a memory unit. card. Yeah, it, it was basically a memory card with a screen on it, and uh, a lot of games would have that screen. Uh, Get up to some high drinks while you were playing the actual game itself. Uh, the, the best, the best use I think was Resident Evil Code Veronica had your health and stats on the VMU screen on the controller while you played, so you didn't have to pause it to take a look at your little heart meter uh, monitor thing. And uh, also, a, a lot of games had mini games dedicated to just the VMU, so you could unplug your VMU. It had a little, it has like a little slot in it so you can you know put like a wire around it and then carry it around on your neck. If that's what you want to do. I don't know. But, <laughs> I wasn't that uh, cool. <laughs> you could play little mini games. I know Sonic Adventure had a adventure where you would raise your chow, which are these little uh, these little dudes that you could raise in Sonic Adventure. But you could also you know, power them up using the VMU, playing a little adventure game where you go on a walk. It was like a Tamagotchi type thing. Tamagotchi.
4: Mm. Yeah.
3: And uh, who else? I-, I know. I remember Marvel Capcom 2 had a really complicated thing where you could unlock characters and trade characters. From one VMU to another, it because the VMUs could connect. They had like this weird plug at the top, so not only could you plug them into the controller, but you could plug them to each other, and they could like do shit with each other. Like fornicate. your chow could fight or fornicate. I don't remember which. Maybe both.
0: I abducted a chow that way. I went to uh, went to Best Buy and I saw. That I went to their kiosk of Sonic Adventure and. Had my VMU with me, and I <laughs> there was some nice. there was some chow in there that I, I liked, so I said, "Oh, I'm going to take that chow." <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it was it was neat. Not every developer took advantage of it, so it wasn't always uh, that great. But uh, for the ones who did, it was pretty fun. I think Power Stone had a few little mini games. You had a mini game where you were on a plane because Falco you were on Falco's plane, I think, and you had to like fly
0: Falco around, the uh, the German the pop pilot. Oh. No,
3: the pilot from Power Stone. You don't play Power Stone, is that what you're telling me?
0: I Power Stone was the first Dreamcast game I played. I was just okay. trying to be funny.
3: You better. Anyways. Someone's
0: got to make up for uh, Sleeve and Chuck's not being here.
3: So uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I can't think of anything they could have done better with the technology around at the time. I mean, they were obviously limited, but I shitty emote them. Eventually, did they have a broadband adapter? Eventually, yes. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah.
4: yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. Fucking rocked PSO on that thing
3: fucking pso hell yeah
2: or um what was it with the because the broadband adapter that was near the end or was it near the end of the console i know it took them a long time to come out with that and it was like the the good stuff to play by then uh one of the final games was that alien what was it the one that actually came with alien the microphone front online yes, yes alien front online that game was amazing
3: i never played it it came out way too late
2: you horrible fuck
0: also the Dreamcast uh, could output VGA pretty easily. God, you, had yes. to, you had to buy a little thing like that. I had it hooked up to a monitor and it looked the colors were so much more vivid and
2: Ikaruga was beautiful on that thing.
3: Then it have um was was Choo, Choo Rocket a free game when you got the, the that internet sounds familiar. service yeah. The AT&T I, that service? sounds
0: right. Yeah, that's that's right. Wow. Good memory.
3: So that that was fairly launched too, I would say. Probably was launched no, it Lock wasn't it? quite
2: launched. No. No, it okay. wasn't launch. It, it was a while before that, but right. it was an amazing game. Especially four player. So good. It's so good.
0: There there were about 17, 18 games at launch, and you had a little bit of everything. I think this was one of the one of the more solid launches. Uh, Sonic Adventure wasn't at the at the level of some of the Mario games that launched. Not or any of the Mario games that launched systems. But it was it was a, it was a fun little game. And oh, it, had, it was it had good blue, to see the, the mascot you know, at the forefront of the launch titles.
3: It had that Resident Evil type game. What was it called? Blue something? Blue Stinger. Blue Stinger. Yeah. I never played blue that. Blue
2: Stinger was terrible, but kind of entertaining. <laughs> all right. It, it was like all the worst aspects of Resident Evil with even worse writing.
4: Nice.
3: But yeah, Sonic Adventure is a fucking hot mess, by the way. Of <laughs> glitches and... Bad design ideas and the 3D kind of working sometimes, in terms of speed and and maneuverability, and kind of not working other times, where you get hung up on edges and fall through the floor. And
0: that last battle when you oh were on man. the on the on the blimp or wherever you were on that on that sky ship, and you were being bombed, and the camera was just jumping all the over the place. The camera was awful. It was slamming into walls. It was getting stuck. And you meanwhile you were it was like the hardest part of the game and the camera was just not cooperating and it kind of made me hate 3D for for just for that that day that i was I'm playing i'm kind of
2: even blanking on that cause like you say last battle and i immediately think of battle. like golden sonic fighting the giant no, alien before thing that the, in la- space. the last
0: part of the game
3: well he's i think he's talking about the last stage but the last battle was, was just uh, against that snake robotnik thing and you had to just right. jump from one yeah, to sometimes la- the you would go right part. through one of the segments Yes. Okay. All right. Dreamcast. (laughs) I see. I see what you're doing.
2: Oh, that game was terrible. And on top of that, what made it even worse was that something was fucked up with the first batch of Sonic Adventure prints because I was I was working in a game store at the time. I want to say like half of them didn't work. They pressed the discs wrong. So it was like people were
4: the lucky ones.
2: (laughs) You had. I think I had to go through like three copies of Sonic Adventure before I found one that worked. And the actual
3: Absolutely adventure terrible. part, where you had like the overworld and you wander around trying to figure out what to do next, that was so unnecessary and just horrible. And yet it was better
2: was... than Sonic 2K6. But that, that game was still okay,
3: maybe because it just looked so good at the time.
2: You the know? whale chase, which everyone, everyone remembers. Yeah.
3: Maybe it was just because it was a launch game for a new system that we all love, and it looked so good. I think I, I was able to forgive a lot of that game. Because going back and playing it, it really was just a piece of shit. I'm sorry, it's terrible. Like, you go back and play Mario 64, you're like, maybe it doesn't look as pretty as the day it came out, but at least it plays well, and the people that made it are not fucking giant retard monsters. But you go back and play Sonic Adventure, it's just it's a, it's a mess. It's just a Especially fucking mess. Especially if you
2: try to 100% it. I, which Amy. I did, by the way,
3: on the Xbox Live Arcade re-release, which I think they actually fixed some stuff on still a mess. It's because
2: you hate yourself. A little bit.
0: The Dreamcast launch was pretty respectable as far as multiplayer games.
3: Did I tell you that story when we went to... I, I, some people might remember this. When I went last... Was it last year? We were all at... I don't think Chris was there, and you weren't there, Nick. But last so year we, we went to all PAX. So, no, well, I mean, people listening. You were there. A lot of people yeah, we're, listening were there. We were at PAX East, and uh, they have a room where you can rent out like the older consoles. And uh, we rented out a Dreamcast... Because it was me, it was Gein from TNL, who's also named Nick. Uh, I think Rambo may have been in on it. And I know Andrew from Canada, you guys don't know, he plays Warcraft. But there were a few of us who are actually big into Power Stone. So we rented the Dreamcast, we rented Power Stone, and we hooked it up on the TV. And we're playing Power Stone 1, and Power Stone 1 is just such an... Uh, it's never been done since. It's such an amazing idea for a fighting game. An actual 3D fighting game with actual 3D moves and... It's it's done so well. I mean, I I don't really want to get into it full-time right now, but... Part 2 is garbage. Part 2 is a garbage party game that has nothing to do with fighting whatsoever. It's just the most miserable... Exp- it's just going from 1 and being so awesome to 2, being so crap, whatever. So we hook up to... We're playing Power Stone 1. We're having an awesome time. And then the the TV next to us is a group of people playing Power Stone 2. You know? And these people seem to be having a good time. They're not. The game is miserable. But then they look over, they see we're playing Power Stone 1. And they're like, yeah, Power Stone. And I stand up, I'm like, don't even act like you're not playing Power Stone 2. The worst fucking game. And they're like, what? And they just shut up. And I'm like, that's right. And then we kept playing Power Stone 1.
0: This tells us a lot more about you than it does tells us about any game or system that we could know about.
3: It's okay. I don't want to get into the the differences, but.
0: uh... It tells us more about your nervous system than a game system.
3: I'm just not a fan of Parsons, too.
0: Let's say, <laughs> but the the best multiplayer launch title for the Dreamcast was not Mortal Kombat Gold. It was, was Soul
2: Calibur. Oh, Soul Calibur was great. Yeah, that oh, so many so many people I had in in my store would just come in just for that game. It was incredible.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a well playing it's a it's a well playing fighting game, you know, with the whole parry system and eight way run and all that kind of stuff. And on top of that it looked fucking amazing like it was just a showpiece you know easily
0: compared to Virtua Fighter which had just blocky guy number 1 blocky female number 1 blocky guy number 2 these these characters you had the you know they had the lizard guy you had all these these that's um, distinct the looking guy? people
3: like that's your example
0: <laughs> and of course the Gre- the famous greek uh sophitia Sofiche- yeah yeah and Kalik uh, and uh, Nightmare. Just pick your poison.
3: Voldo. The introduction of Voldem, Voldo. yeah. <laughs> Lord. I remember the, uh, there was like a sea captain or something that was like a boss who just seemed completely out of...
0: Cervantes? Out of
3: Cervantes. I was like, what the fuck is this? He was a like, boss me... of
0: the first Soul Edge. He was Soul just Edge. a playable okay. character in Soul Calibur. I never played Soul Edge. He had the but... two swords, I think.
2: Yar.
3: He was just a weirdo in Soul Calibur. I was like, what the fuck is this? I guess everyone's kind of a weirdo, but he felt out of place to me.
0: Volda was a weirdo.
3: Definitely. Ivy was pretty cool. I used to play Ivy when it came out, only because I liked the different whip moves.
0: So Sega finally did everything right, but people were now waiting. I remember somebody I was talking to, I was trying to convince somebody to buy a Dreamcast, and he said, well, I'm, I'm just going to wait for Gran Turismo on the PS2. When just the PS2 comes the out, PS2. it's going to have the games I want.
3: They waited like two years for that shit to come out. And then they waited another year for Metal Gear Solid 2 to come out. They were playing like fucking Fantavision until then. It was you know, just unbelievable. We're going to talk about
0: that next. but let's, let's rate the Dreamcast launch. Because the Dreamcast lasted about a year and a half, I think. That, that it was actually like, okay, it's a system. Before they knew that, you we're not supporting it anymore. But that launch, that was, that was a sweet time.
4: I mean, that yeah, was a great You, did, you didn't overall. know it was
0: coming up. You didn't know there was going to die a horrible death.
3: And even past the launch, every game that came out was like a little event, like a little tiny party, yes. you know? Like, what's next? And every game that came out would be awesome. Like, Crazy Taxi's next. It's like, yes, Crazy oh. Taxi. Oh, that's so cool. It's like, okay, Just what's next? What's next? Just a radio. Oh, that's so cool. Like, every single game.
0: I remember they broke some record. They said that the Dreamcast made more money that the first day it was out than any Hollywood movie ever made or something. I remember it was pretty successful for for a short period of time that it was a launch that went right. Not only did Sega do everything right, but consumers did respond initially. I guess people that were waiting for something like this that that adopted it early, but then it just it just the bottom fell out. but the launch, I think, was one of the stronger launches we've we've seen up to this point in the in the systems we've been playing.
2: I think also part of it is like the Dreamcast just perfectly captured that look of arcade games. Like it was the first time that when you played games on it it looked just like um they would in the arcade. Something about I don't know if it's just like direct ports of the textures and models or what, but it looked fantastic. Like everything I played on it, I could just look at the screen and be like yes, I could totally see this um, you know, in an arcade machine, actually at an arcade,
3: it had a certain like round smoothness to the the graphics on the Dreamcast. I don't know what it was, but it definitely has like a look to it. You're right.
0: It still holds up decent decently, I think, for some games. Some games. Some. <laughs> a I, I like.
2: I remember a lot of people, uh, people who hated sports games, going nuts over NFL 2K just because of how awesome it looked. If you look at it now, it looks like fucking garbage. But at the time, it was like, this looks real. This is incredible as to how good this football game looks. Because I think everything before that was, what, mostly overhead, 2D? I mean, there were the Maddens on PlayStation, but I don't think the models for those were, like, even remotely good. It was like a huge jump moving up to NFL 2K on the Dreamcast. And that was another thing that killed them, was the lack of support from EA. I
3: was going to say, I remember all the drama. Like, I don't give a shit about sports games, but you're still, like, rooting for the system. You're like, come on. And then EA is like, nope, not on Dreamcast. And you're like, Sega made you, you fucking assholes. And now you turn your back on them. Oh, I used to get so angry about the Dreamcast. You used
0: to get so angry? Okay, you just said get... <laughs> at the last packs you got angry about the Dreamcast. Oh, mm, I'm it's... bored. All right, yeah. so. Rating like maybe yeah. an eight or a nine, maybe a nine, nine out of ten. You know,
2: overall, the- I would overall. give it a nine. Um, at least for nostalgia. Like All- it was- the only thing
0: it's missing is a killer. Soul Calibur was very close, but it, it was missing something that if Sonic Adventure if were Sonic what it could have been, a- it would this would have <laughs> been maybe a thinking.
2: ten.
4: Yeah,
0: if they had just let Nintendo make Sonic Adventure, this would have been a ten.
2: If anyone besides Sega had made that, oh, I agree completely. <laughs> but I mean, House of the Dead 2, Hydro Thunder, Hydro Thunder was great, um, Power Stone was great. I remember enjoying Ready to Rumble Boxing, but I don't think I ever actually bought it. Eh. I did play a lot of Trick Style. I cannot tell you anything about that game now. It's
0: like a boarding from,
2: game, right? Like
0: a futuristic boarding right, game. I remember that. A
2: hoverboard that. game. Yeah, I'm sure. Are these I'm launch sure... games or are you just talking about Yeah, launch now? games. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. You
0: know, I read the show notes once in a while. Ah, like, fine. I'd be enlightened. Yeah. Asshole.
2: Um it well, it had NFL Blitz two thousand, but I didn't think any of the Blitz sequels were as good as the original one. I loved the original Blitz and something about two thousand just didn't sit right. Um but still, cool game. Yeah, overall it's just like it fucking good. fantastic.
3: Did anyone ever try Mortal Kombat Gold? I definitely did not.
0: I had Mortal Kombat on the Nintendo 64. That was trilogy. I think it was trilogy. Jesus Christ! <laughs> hey, it had the aggressive aggressive meter.
2: No, you can't. You can't excuse that.
0: I think that was seventy seventy five bucks. Yeah, the Nintendo 64. <laughs> yeah, those cartridges were expensive. What? But hey, I mean, people wanted to play Mortal Kombat, and I don't like going to people's houses. So it's just like I got to have Mortal Kombat, so I don't have to go to anyone's house to play. They can come to my house.
3: Anything past like the second. I mean, maybe the third Mortal Kombat, I'll give you a pass. You know, anything after Mortal Kombat 3, you're done. Two was the no only
0: one right that I it. thought was okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And two, the you one, the, the, more, the one that came out last year is good.
2: Wait, wasn't one of okay. the um, Dreamcast launch games Godzilla, or was that Japan?
0: Probably Japan.
2: Okay. I remember them having a Godzilla game. I I don't think it was supposed to be very good. I never played it. No, that.
0: it was good. uh King was the, uh Not King of the Monsters, something like that. There's a review of it on TNL somewhere. But, uh <laughs> It's it's a good game. I think I gave it an A or something. It's it's a lot of fun. I even bought it as a gift for someone because it was so good.
2: Because <laughs> you hated them.
0: <laughs> it was a decent game. I mean, it probably doesn't hold up in the least today, but
2: yeah, I'm watching a video of NFL 2K and it's wow. We thought this was realistic looking. We did at the time, but Jesus Christ.
3: I mean, but everyone it's... was really just waiting for the PS2. Like they really were just waiting for the PS2.
2: And I hate every one of them, especially... Okay,
3: not spending money, just sitting there waiting patiently for the PlayStation 2 to come out while all these amazing games just rot. And when the
0: PlayStation 2 did come out, it came out with a lot of games. But really, what did it come out with? What's what's the killer app in that launch lineup? Sony did not have... I mean, Tekken Tag Tournament, I think a lot of people wanted to play a lot. Yeah,
2: that was big. It's it's not in here. Where, where's the bouncer? I know that, that wasn't was like... launch. That was not launched, dude. No, it wasn't. It took a while. I just remember that one being like. But it should be on the list anyway. Because I mean, like Fantavision. Fantavision was a game that I made so much fun of at the time. No, oh, of course. And I think I eventually picked up a, ver- a copy for like five bucks later. And I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it's stupid. It's in no way worth full price, but it's hilarious because you're it's a fireworks game. Like it's this this combo puzzle game where you're just making shitloads of colors, like all go off, and then every couple levels, you get these weird freaky retro fifties videos of like a family just kind of creepily smiling at each other.
3: Oh my god, what? I've never <laughs> played this game, obviously. You, it's a fucking you fireworks have to. puzzle game. You
2: fucking have to. It's fantastic. Right.
3: I'll, I'm sure I can pick one up. for like It was my cents. favorite
0: launch. It was my favorite um, PlayStation 2 launch title because it was the one I would always make fun of uh, to people that I was trying to convince to buy the Dreamcast. What do you want to play, Fantavision? Because look, look at the look at the last three we've been talking about. Nintendo, Nintendo 64, Nintendo made Super Mario 64. S- um, Sega for the Dreamcast made Sonic Adventure. What was Sony's contribution to their own launch lineup? Fantavision. A completely forgettable game. Chris
2: said it was good. It, I mean, it but actually it's, is. But it it's not captured a no one's seller. imagination.
0: It you know, when they were it doesn't read about sell it.
3: Sell you a PS2? No, definitely not.
0: No one read the review of, of Fantavision or or saw it, you know, coming soon and said, "Holy hell!" Because I mean, the Vita has an uh, AR card where you can play like a fireworks game, and, you know, <laughs> no one's even going to try that. It just hey, you just SSX. what fireworks?
3: SSX was launched? SSX was good. The first
0: SSX was yeah. a was a PS2 launch title. That's good. I didn't play it all well tricky though.
4: Well,
3: yeah.
0: yeah. But there was there was nothing Eternal Ring. I guess had a its audience.
3: Well, Armored no. Core has a following, doesn't it? So Armored Core Two would have been. Ridge Racer yeah, Five Core does has its audience.
2: following. It's... I don't know. What's Gun, Gun Griffin Blaze. Back in the days.
0: Sounds like something Eric would play.
2: It was another mech shooter.
3: Ridge Racer 5? That was a good game, actually. I really liked Ridge Racer 5. It's one of the few Ridge Racers I actually played. I
0: think that was probably the jewel of their... Uh, they didn't really have a jewel in their launch library. That was probably the best one, I mean, looking down the list.
2: What about Street Fighter EX3? Ugh.
3: Hideous. Well, what's wrong with... Uh, did not Smuggler's Run have some kind of weird technology? I remember there being something weird about the game where it was kind of open-ended or you could see really far in the distance or something about it. I vaguely remember something about Smuggler's Run being a thing.
0: Street Fighter EX 3 actually is a good extension of what I was saying earlier. Remember I said I bought Mortal Kombat so people would have to come to my house and play? So I, I bought Street Fighter EX 3 and somebody stole the disc. They just left the box and the, the manual and they actually took the disc. So
2: They did you a favor. Yeah.
0: So what I was talking about earlier actually backfired on me with,
2: with that game. It all worked out in the end. I think I was too bitter and angry
3: to buy a PlayStation 2 until, until when? Like Grand Theft Auto 3, Devil May Cry, and uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 hit. Then I was like, you know what? I forgive you, PlayStation 2.
0: And that's the thing: the PlayStation 2, both in Japan, I think especially in Japan, and also over here, had a pretty low software to hardware ratio initially. Uh, people would buy the system, but they wouldn't buy, yeah, they wouldn't buy too many (laughs) games for it because they wanted it to play DVDs and they wanted to wait for when that big thing came out and they saw that they were selling out. I think a lot of people bought them just so they could resell them because they, they saw how they were, they were selling out. But it didn't, didn't move a lot of units of software for a while. It had a really low, I think only the Wii since then has been anywhere near that bad. As far as how many games you bought to go with your system, at least for the first year or two, and then of course it blew up. Now it's probably one of the, it has probably one of the highest ratios because it's been around so long and they had such a long lifespan. I mean, some people have twenty, thirty PlayStation games, and it's that's probably not uncommon.
3: Yeah, no, anything you want to play, you can find a good example of on the PlayStation Two. So it's it's a. Uh... Everyone threw their way behind it. It's a very versatile system. It's probably one of my favorites overall. I still have a bunch of PS2 games I have to play through.
2: Oh god, I have so many. And they keep re-releasing those HD versions of them, which are actually like, hey, I remember how awesome this was.
3: And by the end, they got all the Clover games. Well, not all of them, but, you know.
2: It has God Hand. God Hand, right? Fucking amazing. Fuck the haters.
0: Regardless of what you thought about what the PlayStation became, just looking at the launch, though, pretty weak, I think. Again. Pretty weak.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, they they're, they cover a ton of areas and genres, but it's just overall, it was like, uh, there's not really much in there. Like, I would probably play DOA 2 a little bit, a little bit of Ridge Racer 5, and then I would play fantavision but not that much of it
3: <laughs> well how was um like dynasty warriors 2 i see as a launch game i hadn't i still haven't played dynasty warriors anything but i did buy the first game after last week's podcast and it turns out i'm so it turns out the dynasty warriors one on the playstation one is a fighting game did you know that
2: yes that was actually what confused me about some of the later ones because yeah, it was like the Said something about it. I, I wasn't here. I didn't know. Yeah,
0: he wasn't here. I didn't know. I didn't know that fact. I started the Dynasty Warriors with uh, Ken's Rage, which came out I think two years ago. And yeah, I, they did
2: all that Musu stuff later. I like it. how Nick actually wrote because Nick got me a present for Christmas, <gasps> and it was like it was between the two. One of the ones he thought about picking oh, was Ken's Rage, and he wrote me a little note that went, "I really wanted to get you Fist of the North Star." But I wasn't sure about its limited appeal. So I got you um <laughs> Drumroll. Uh I I'm suddenly blanking on the name. It's in the other room enslaved. right now. Enslaved. Yes, enslaved. Nice. But I was like, you know what? I mean I would have I would have loved Fist of the North Star. Like that Fist was of the, North the reason Star I so put it game. on there. Yeah, it's a I
0: better game that. than Enslaved, um, yeah. It's an awesome game. But I I, I bought Fist of the North Star Ken's Rage as a gift for someone else and he didn't he didn't like it. So that kinda I said, well, you know what? I'm not going to take another risk. And I thought Enslave was good, but screw you all.
3: I got it. I actually bought it for like I don't know some ridiculously low price after you guys talked about it. So I'll play yeah, it's through cheap. it.
2: I mean, I did enjoy it. It's proving not like... once
0: again that this podcast sells
2: games. <laughs> yeah, to me. We
0: move units. We yeah we we sell things <laughs> even if it's only to ourselves. We yeah, even
2: uh, if they're only kind of sales. terrible games. Um. No, I mean, I I enjoyed Enslave. The only problem I had with it is that I think it kind of proved that Ninja Theory still doesn't have what it takes to make Devil May Cry. But by itself, as, you know, a uh, cinematic game, it was pretty good. But aside from that, yeah, the PS2 launch, mm, yeah, I don't know. I would rate it below the Dreamcast. There, There's just nothing that really sticks out as a must-have in there. No, there's all a right.
3: lot of titles, but they're all pretty mediocre, I would say, to be honest. Ridge Racer 5 is like a standout. To me, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah,
2: and that's the fifth game in a long series of games that you like always pad their track count with uh, reverse versions.
0: It'll be interesting to compare your thoughts on the PlayStation launch with the next system we're going to talk about, which is the GameCube. Now, the GameCube came out with some pretty good games at launch. Crazy Taxi was a launch game, but we played that on the, on the Dreamcast. Everybody played on the Dreamcast. And they had Luigi's Mansion, which we'll talk about in a minute, Super Monkey Ball, Batman Vengeance. Uh, Batman Vengeance had the e- the easiest end boss of all time. This is my recollection of it. Uh, I, I played, this is the first game I reviewed for TNL. Bond sent me uh, Batman Vengeance on the GameCube.
2: Bon hated you.
0: <laughs> so it was okay. It, it was, it wasn't that difficult, but it wasn't that easy. So I'm playing along, blah, blah, blah. So we, we get to the end. You're again in an airship in a blimp, I believe. You're in a blimp and the Joker is going to make the blimp explode. And you're, there's a panel in front of you. There's a counter in front of you and it's got liquids on it. And I think, let's say it has three liquids and there's a green liquid, a purple liquid and another color liquid. So as soon as you turn and look at the console to, to stop the thing from exploding, you hear the Joker's voice and he says, you, you'll, you know, you'll never stop the, the, you'll never stop my plans. But if you wanted to. He <laughs> would have to mix these chemicals, and he says, "Think about the colors I like the most, <laughs> so you, oh, green and purple, so you mixed them, and that was like that was I don't know if that was the last thing you had to do in the game, but it was near the end, and it was giving well, the, you the these clues. freaking thing and Apocalypse did that in X men legends too you know you were, you were you were just walking up to him to fight him and I think it was X-Men Legends or X-Men Legends 2, and you're just starting the fight, and he says, whatever you do, keep away from those four pan- panels in the corner because they're the only things that can <laughs> set my power. I hate that about games now. I detest that.
2: That's fantastic.
0: Give you, wait till you're messing up. If you keep messing up, if it's been like three or four minutes and you haven't done anything right, then give you a hint, Sure. But yeah. Right well, away. Even
2: even then, don't have the boss like be like, you know, this is if how you really me. wanted to hurt me, like you you can have some kind of visual clue. Uh, but yeah, like I'm with sure the GameCube.
3: But yeah. Mm, I,
2: I bought the GameCube. I bought that on launch just for Star Wars Rogue Squadron two, and yeah, this was like a repeat of thirty two X for me. Like I took that home, and that was amazing. Like, I loved that game. Especially some of the later missions, where you were going up against huge waves of TIE Fighters. I remember where you, you started off the one mission, it was I I think somewhere around like like building up to fighting the, the Death Star. And you're flying out and it's like, there's all these stars and you see a ton of them coming out and you realize that part of the star field are all TIE Fighters. And it was just like, having that many ships on screen was like, this is awesome! And I don't think I ever was that happy about the GameCube ever again. But right there at launch was just th- amazing. Yeah, Rogue I Squadron was game. a good
3: game. And Rogue Squadron 2 was even better. I mean, I have no complaints about it. Except maybe some of the missions a little bit too long. So trying to gold, gold, you know, metal Yeah, trying to gold. Oh, God, I can't annoying, believe I did those. I, but... I will never again. And then, then I mean, that's what they lost it, though. Who made this? Factor 5? Was that it? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then part 3 was shit, right? Like, after this... They just completely lost it with the series. I don't know what their deal is.
2: They implemented some kind of... What were they building that engine for? Like, I want to say it was the engine for Two Human, but that was Silicone Knights.
3: Oh my god, don't even talk about that.
2: <laughs> but they implemented, you know, like, the characters actually running around, except it was, like, the worst aiming scheme known to man. You couldn't lock onto anything. It was terrible. Everyone run around like morons. Oh. Oh, those par- but yeah, Rogue Squadron
3: one, Rogue Squadron two, and there was a there was a battle for an Abu game in there that played the same, even though the license is obviously terrible because the movie's garbage, but uh, that was still a good game. So those three games that they made, I'm a fan of. All the other there were a bunch of other Star Wars type fighting uh like like dog fighting games that came out around the time that I never there was played a Star
2: Wars fighting game, but that was on the PlayStation. Oh my God,
3: yes. But well, wasn't there also, like, another, like, like ship-to-ship game, like, on the PlayStation 2 and stuff? A couple?
2: Uh, well, yeah, there was, I like, Jedi Starfighter. Those.
3: Were those any good? Do
2: you know? Uh, I never played them. I never played them. I don't think they were supposed to be that great. I
0: think uh, Eric played them in college.
3: <laughs> no, he was being cool in college. He wasn't oh, playing Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Games. No, it was law yeah. school he was being cool in. Oh. I
4: mm. remember.
3: Well, back to the launch. Luigi's Mansion? Garbage. Fuck you for even making that. I, I, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like a Mario game that should have <laughs> come out as much. Well, it just it just wasn't what it should have been. Mario was
0: in it at the end.
4: Like
3: Whatever. I thought, I thought it was, it it was neat. Good. It was kind of fun, but it wasn't what it should have been.
2: At it lunch. was
0: Luigi was a kind of a Ghostbuster. He would walk around with a vacuum on his back, and he would vacuum ghosts up.
2: Like I thought, it kind of captured this look of where it almost looked like a miniature. So it was like starting to get something about the shading and the lighting. Looked kind of, I guess, cartoonishly realistic, sort of, and I liked that, but the actual gameplay was, I, I could not bring myself to give a shit about.
0: It was the best tech demo that, that ever yeah, launched. It was better than Pilot
3: yeah. Wings. I was going to say, it's
2: much better than Pilot Wings.
3: But as a full fledged game, I don't know. And then, like, now they're like, oh, Luigi's Mansion 2 is coming out. It's like, I could not even try to give less of a shit about that. Are you kidding yeah, like,
2: me? like, I don't Enough copies of that sold for them to go, you know, we should we should do this again. This was a good time.
0: I just think Luigi's threatening to walk if they don't give him another game.
3: Wave Race Blue Storm was, uh, the original Wave Race is my favorite What, are you, what jet ski game, I guess you would say, of all time. Not that there's that many. But it's Wave like Race is... Yeah. No, I think Wave Race is my favorite, hands down, jet ski racing game. Because of the way it felt you know, just the the wave physics and just everything about it was fantastic. Blue Storm, I didn't take too nearly as much, but it has a pretty strong following, so I'm guessing it was it was good. Just something about me that didn't like it. I don't know. And uh, Monkey Ball was amazing. I don't think yeah, it, Super Monkey Ball. It was... would never be this good again. Like this is the only Monkey Ball game you should ever play, and it's hands down just fucking fantastic. And you should never play another Monkey Ball game ever again.
2: I actually do kind of enjoy it like uh, on the iPhone, just because you can tilt the device. Shut up. I no. think that works really You're well. You're done. But...
3: It's over. Just this one. Just this one. That's it. No, Mizo, don't leave the one.
0: podcast. We'll make a Mizzo's Mansion for you. Uh, So rate, rate this launch. Uh, decent launch. I'm answering my own question, by the way.
2: You should. It's a decent three.
0: launch, but nothing spectacular. I guess we're kind of in the PlayStation territories I mean, here. Yeah,
2: I guess I would put it...
0: Rogue Leader was pretty Just cool. for
2: like Rogue Leader and Super Monkey Ball, I would put it above the PS2 launch, because those are at least games that I would I would pick up and play today.
0: If they even had Pikmin at launch, that would be better. I give this probably like a 6 out of 10.
2: If they'd had Pikmin and taken away Luigi's Mansion, it would have been a little bit and more And if Crazy impressive. Taxi
0: came out of nowhere and nobody had played it before, if this were a brand new... Crazy Taxi game that if nobody heard of Crazy Taxi before, then I would give it a much higher score. But really like NBA it. Jam. Yeah.
2: Back on the PlayStation. It was exactly. like this is an awesome game. Kind of already played a bunch of it a long time ago. Not really cutting it, guys.
3: Tony Hawk, I don't think I cared about Tony Hawk that much ever. Oh, so.
4: Played the no. first
0: one, that's it.
2: Yeah. I played some of the demos. They were not enough to make me spend money on their games, but they are very solid games.
3: Yeah, it wasn't that strong. I mean, again, it it I think it it just so happened that I really enjoyed Rogue Squadron two, and I really really liked Monkey Ball, Monkey Balls in general. So just those two games to me made the lineup seem strong, but it probably really wasn't to be honest. I just happened to like two of those games. I
0: maybe I'm thinking that. Somebody thought it was a good idea that there wasn't a Mario game at launch cuz that's too predictable and well,
3: That's the stupidest thing. We'll leave, we'll leave
0: something for them to look forward to. But
2: Sunshine? <laughs> that
3: but wasn't le- even a good Mario game in the end.
0: I'm trying to figure out the strategy cuz Nintendo really had to make up a lot of ground with the game. Good luck on that. Speaking of making up ground, Xbox came out next and it uh, it set a lot of uh, groundwork for the generation that we're in now. It was the I mean, Xbox was a very important platform because it kind of really just put the balls to the wall in every way it could as far as the technology. came. I it was the it. first one to come in with an internal hard drive, 720p, Dolby digital encoding. It was all set up for the network. The, uh, you know, uh, Xbox made a big deal. They said, We're just going to support broadband networks you know that we're going to do anything halfway that's going to we're not going to compromise we're just going to do it the best way we possibly can and wait for everybody else to catch up
2: yes and it was awesome it was christ
3: and it did all of this because it really was just a pc laying down on the floor it was huge (laughs) huge the biggest console ever and it basically just had pc parts in it and you could tell from the games, honestly. They they had, like, yeah. a... I don't know if there's, like, a, such a thing as a PC look, but goddammit, it, it really felt like there was, and it was on the Xbox. And they fucking lost so much money on the system, but they introduced Xbox Live, which I think was...
2: A point. Fucking amazing, and that's it was the, amazing. That's the beauty yeah. of
0: it. This was like the sacrifice bond. Forgive me, I've been playing a baseball game this week. This was the thing they just wanted. They were willing to to lose something in the short term just because they knew that they were going to get a grand slam. They just needed to build up. They needed to to figure out what they were doing, and they needed to build up a brand and get people to trust Xbox. And they just did what they wanted to do, and it worked. It worked later. It worked for the 360 very well. But this, this lay the groundwork for it.
2: Yeah. Like like even the games here. I mean, Project Gotham Racing was the sequel to Metropolis Street Racing. MSR, I loved. I hated everyone who had a Dreamcast and did not have that I game. I did not have that game. You are a. I'm f- sorry. I'm, I'm but I did have PGR, you and saved. I fucking
3: loved the PGR. I don't like racing games, and I fucking loved PGR. Yes. I didn't like PGR 2 as much, but. This one was yeah, the, the sequels
2: i wasn't that great, I think I even still have like p g r three which I think I got um from like uh what was it the retail deals that Xbox would give from people. I have one I achievement I, in p g r three and it's so sad, it just sits there, I think I played it for like an hour and was like,, eh, I'm not really feeling this anymore, yeah, right I don't
3: know. something about it, just but p g r two i don't know i don't know if it was just a different event you could take part in or the way it felt when you played in the little kudos system. Just everything it did everything right for me as a racing game.
2: Yeah, it it bridged a gap between like arcade racing and realistic racing, like that kind of gap that I feel Need for Speed always goes for and misses. I felt it in PGR, where it's like it's not quite real. They have a lot of real cars, but you're sliding around and doing stupid crazy shit, and it was fun and skilled and technical and loose all at the same time, and I I just loved the shit out of it. And
3: it had Geometry Wars in it. The original challenge mm, Wars.
2: Yes, I forgot about that. In an arcade Amazing. machine
3: in the garage, yeah.
2: Totally worth it.
3: I was surprised you skipped over Halo, I was which would be say, the first game Halo? we talk about when it comes to the Xbox launch.
2: No- normally it is. I mean, Halo was a solid game. I was not as bonkers about that as a lot of other people were. Um,
3: well, I thought the big draw was like multiplayer, but then it wasn't even online. So I was like, what? That Wasn't that like the point? But yeah, I, guess I mean,
2: I, I also wasn't as big on it back then because I was coming into that like off of um, online PC first-person shooters. So it's like, wow, here's a game that moves at like half the speed. You've got like these really slow jumps. Like you leap in the air and you're in there for fucking. It's like Virtua Fighter. Virtua Fighter. Fighter. <laughs> right. You jump in the air and you're there for a million fucking years and you wait to come down. It's just sort of like, hey, you wave at people as you leap by. And I eventually got used to it over time, and I got a little bit more into it with Halo 2 and then Halo 3, but at the start when that game came out, it was like, wow, this is this is a really slow game. I mean, the vehicles were cool, and the vehicle control in particular in Halo was, like, revolutionary.
3: Well, what I liked about it was just that it felt it felt like a very big game like you start off on on the spaceship and you're just like oh it's a corridor shooter like everything else and then you crash land you crash land on the ring world and it's all of a sudden it's amazing you know and then you you're taking part in these individual little battles with a bunch of ai participants and uh, just everything about that i really really grew to enjoy i mean some segments were too long some sections should have been cut out a little bit too much padding like around the library and some other sections but uh Overall, I, I I really I don't think I've liked a Halo game as much as I liked the first Halo game, ever. I haven't played Reach, but I, I doubt that would be. Well, maybe I don't know. Well, I and then I, are you sure? Hmm. When did Jet Set Radio Future come out? That wasn't launch.
0: That was launched in Japan, I think. I don't think it was launched here.
3: Because I remember having that PGR slash.
2: Well, that that took a while because they they bundled Jet Set Radio Future with a couple things. Like, I think I got a Jet Set Radio Future, but it was bundled with like a racing game.
3: Yeah, no, it wasn't PGR. It was a bad racing game. No, yeah, it, it wasn't was...
2: PGR. It was like Sega. Was it Sega Rally? Sega Rally. Sega yeah. Rally.
4: That's what it, I have yeah. that too.
2: Yeah. Um. So yeah, it it took them a while, and then they eventually released the bundle later on. Like, I think I I bought Jet Set Radio Future when it came out, and then sold it a long time later and then eventually they had like the jet set slash sega rally bundle for like really cheap and i picked it up again just for jet set Radio. i don't even know if i even ever played the game that came with it
3: i think i waited until the controller changed before i bought the xbox oh the s controller was so yeah. good i was not a fan of the duke controller
2: i was okay with it like it was bigger it, it was a little too big I didn't think it was quite as bad as a lot of people said it, but it wasn't very bad. There were some parallels the there with
0: Sega was... because the for the Sega controller, the Dreamcast controller, and the Xbox controller are kind of similar, but they both, both, well, the Saturn launched with a controller that wasn't quite right, and um, then they replaced it with a smaller one, and then the connectivity was, I think um, Microsoft and I think took a lot of ideas from Sega, or it took a lot of inspiration from Sega when they were making the Xbox. It seemed like there was a kind of a kinship between the Saturn and Dreamcast and what, what Microsoft is doing. I just kind of see little things that remind me of uh, Sega systems. Or am I totally delusional here?
3: I think you're crazy. Right.
0: But I also may be brilliant.
3: <laughs> Let's talk about Oddworld. Odd World. Lunch's guys- Odyssey and Lord Lanning's big stupid mouth and how his games suck and he talks so much shit <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> okay well abe was good back in the day and then there was an expansion pack for abe's odyssey which is called Abe's exodus now this was a platformer then, kind of a quirky uh, right. describe
0: the game because you know i bet you that like half the people haven't played it i've played it well, a well
3: I'm, I'm going into it i was i started off my whole thing and you interrupted you me. started
0: off by pausing for 10 or 15 seconds oh, sorry
3: well, I said it was dramatic.
2: He, okay, like
3: Lauren like Landing has made <laughs> one. Was your game. lower lip quivering when like you he's made like were well, actually, he's made two games now. The first one was Abe, and then Exodus was just a fucking add-on to Abe, the same game, and then he made this one, which is crap. It was like a 3D Abe's Odyssey. If you didn't play Abe's Odyssey, it was like a flashback out of this world type of game. Except you you're in it to save people, I guess, and you can kind of give them commands like, "Hey, follow me. Stay here." And you have like these little abilities, like you can fart and you can possess things and you can possess your farts. (laughs) I know that sounds great, but it's really not that great. And then like the 3D game was, I guess Munch was like some new creature, but you end up playing as Abe most of the time anyway. And it was kind of like a weird 3D platformer instead of just being like the 2D flashback side scrolling thing. And I don't think it was, it was done as well. It just wasn't as memorable a game. And Munch nah. was... What was Munch? He was a little fish thing, and he could swim a little bit and flop I, around I on, on that. I think end, so. Was he the one in vaguely? the wheelchair? Yeah, he had, like, a wheelchair. Right? Did he have, like, psi powers? Could he, like, mind control people?
2: And I didn't even play that one. I don't fucking Abe know. Abe could
3: do that, too. He could chant, and he could take over people, but... Anyway, game was just not that good, but before this game came out, oh my god, like, Lord Landing would talk so much shit about video games. He was like that fish guy going around now, yeah, you know, Phil talking Fisher shit about Japanese games. He used, <laughs> Lord Lanning would talk so much shit, and I was like, Lord Lanning, you have made one game. Admittedly, I enjoyed it, but you made one game. And then you made two games, the second game sucked. And then he made, well, I guess he made Oddworld, uh, Stranger's Wrath, which a lot of people like, and I personally haven't really put time into, but...
2: Yeah, I mean, Stranger's Wrath was the one that I really remember, because that was the only one that I... Enjoyed to a good extent. Um, like the first game, it was okay. You know, I I don't know. I Even like didn't like a- really like. Odyssey? It was all right. I wasn't oh that big God. into like puzzle platformers mm-hmm. like that style. Like I also wasn't that big into flashback either. Like oh, I, boy. I thought it looked oh, great. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: that's all right. That just happened. Um, so I mean, I thought it was good, but not. Nah, it, it I wasn't in love with it. I honestly barely even remember it at times. Um, Stranger's Wrath was the one that was really like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." But Monk, I don't, I don't think I even played it. I think I skipped that one altogether.
3: Yeah, I mean the the, the actual Oddworld universe or whatever uh, that Abe took part in was very memorable. Uh, everything was, well, it was everything was a little weird, obviously, but it was it was very well done. Uh, things were kind of ugly. I don't know if that was by design or choice or just bad um, aesthetics, but. Aside yes. from that, uh, <laughs> I I liked it. I liked it a lot. And then when I came time to buy Munch, I was one of the first uh, three six. I mean Xbox games I bought, and I just don't remember enjoy. I don't think I enjoyed it. I think it was. It felt like a very generic three D platformer, and seemed like a lot of the charm of the two D games was just kind of gone. That's just what I remember. I don't know if that's true or not.
0: What did Lauren do besides? That's it. Those games. No, that's it. Is he like living in a trailer with Scary Larry now or what's going on?
3: I don't know. Scary Larry. I don't know. I mean, they had all this big talk about the odd world universe and they were gonna link the games together and have like this big MMO and he was he would just talk and talk and talk and Yeah, producer Cat, I agree. He never amounted to anything. (laughs) She never liked him. So I don't, yeah, I don't think he's up to anything. I, I think there's like a Munch might be coming out on Xbox Live Arcade soon. Did I hear something about that?
0: Maybe I, I heard, made that up. I heard, yeah, I think he's still working on those games, so it's, they're coming out in some capacity. One trick pony, I think.
2: What else is it gonna make? I don't know, but at least
0: Xbox had a kind of a killer app, so to speak. Halo, I think Halo, was a yeah. was a pretty big deal. So. That that scores a point for this launch, I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Even if Nick does not give a shit about Halo, his cat loves it. And honestly, I really enjoyed DOA 3. At least at the time. I haven't played it, I don't know, probably since a few months after the Xbox came out, but I really enjoyed that. Just like, you know, DOA 2. I like both of those. The I first DOA I, 2... Mm, mm. I didn't really like the first one that much, but two and three, they were fun for me. I really enjoyed them.
3: I think two was okay. It was definitely more style over substance. Yeah. So it I was can fun for a that. while. And then when three came out, I was just like, you know what? I don't need that. So,
0: never played it. <laughs> so, overall, the launch was kind of good, but you were wondering, I remember wondering, well, are these guys going to get the Japanese developers like Capcom right. to give them full support and are they going to be too interested in making another pc that they're really not going to make a fun game system but the the games were okay at launch so I, this is kind of a little bit above a maybe a six or a seven just because they had that one or they had those two good games project gotham racing and halo but you didn't know how much if the system had legs like would you enjoy playing this in another year and God, can I have my Dreamcast back? You know,
3: it it was a weird time. I didn't I didn't buy an Xbox till. Pre- like you're right. I just I wasn't. I didn't have too much faith in Microsoft. And I think everybody was on the on the hate bandwagon back before launch. Even everyone was like, Microsoft, get the fuck out of the games industry. No one wants Microsoft here. Rah 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 rah. So I, I mean, they, I think they knew that coming in too. They knew they were going to take a big hit on the system, and they were willing to uh, put the money behind it. And uh, the smartest thing they did was build up Xbox Live and build up the Xbox Live community, and once and to keep the riff raff out, basically, with the whole uh, no modem people, which was huge because modem people suck. Let me tell you.
0: Oh my God! You have rage problems,
3: <laughs> dude. They used to slow it all down. It was terrible, but uh, building up Xbox Live was a great idea because uh, they totally, you know, capitulated on that with uh, the 360 having a much better version of Live from the get-go.
2: It was so good. I mean, it was way better than the fucking uh, Dreamcast Online was, and then the laughable PS2 Online. Yeah, well,
3: PS2 had no organized system. It was just left to the individual developers. So you had, like, Capcom backing up, like, you know, that Resident Evil Online game.
2: Oh, I forgot about that Outbreak. (laughs) Outbreak, yeah.
3: One and two, and then I bought two to play two, but it turns out they had canceled the online of two because nobody would play it. But one was still active like 10 years later. It's like, wow, really? So you had a bunch of stuff like that where games were supported, not supported, kind of supported, and, you know, on the Xbox side you had live, and if it was a live game, you could play it.
2: And everything was supported, and you had custom uh, uh, soundtracks for everything.
3: Yeah, and you had the headset that came with the system so you could talk to people
4: it
2: was it was such a great overall package.
3: I think it's I think it's take for granted nowadays that these things are just there, like oh that's just how it is, but that's where they started pretty much. Not that long ago. This doesn't feel like it was that long ago.
2: You're getting old.
4: Yeah.
3: Okay,
0: well next next time we'll talk about the current gen three sixty PS3 and the Wii. That should be fun. There should be a lot of venomous hate spewed next week. So get, get plenty of sleep before you come on, uh, Mizo. <laughs> I think Mizzo's going to throw out his back um hurling invectives at, at the Wii next week. So it sh- that should definitely be a must-listen-to episode. In the meantime, though, we're, let's do what we've been playing and then make a graceful exit. I don't have much to talk about this week, as usual. It seems like I'm not playing games that much anymore, but I finished up Ninja Gaiden Sigma Plus which took way, way, way longer than I thought it would. And uh, I played a little bit of MLB the sh- MLB 12, The Show. And I really don't have anything to say about either of those. Um, Ninja-, Ninja Gaiden Sigma Plus is one of the better games you'll ever play in your life. And uh, I-, I don't know how people have reviewed it, but I suspect a lot of people have said said, well, this is the same game we played before, and uh, I played this is you know I played this before. They do they do put some extras in and they they dock points, but purely from a gameplay standpoint, it's it is a terrific game and it works on the Vita. The only thing that probably doesn't work so on well the Vita is you have those instead of having auto saves, you have those little statues you have to go up to save. And sometimes because the game loves to give you like three bosses in a row without a chance to save. I can see if you are like me and are playing on the bus that that could that could be a problem but the Vita goes on in standby pretty easily and it 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 just freezes where you are. Yeah, I mean, you, can you can
3: press the p- home button and just put a stop to it. Yeah. So as well.
0: It's saved by the technology there.
3: Yeah, cuz on PSP if you if you put it on standby, I think there's like a second or two before it actually powers down, but while the screen is off, so you really can't tell what's going to happen when you turn it back on again. It's kind of shitty. I don't know if you guys have put that much time into the PSP or not, but if you like, if you're playing a game and then you you know you hit the power switch, which is like one of those weird annoying. It's not it's not like an on off switch. It's one of those things that you have to push against and it has some resistance to it. Then it snaps back into place. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's
0: a little. I don't know what those are called. I don't know what those are
3: called, but I don't know why they exist. I don't know what their point is. But so you're playing a game and like you're fighting a boss and you got a phone call or something. You want to put it on pause and you just put the system in the sleep mode, You know the, the screen turns off immediately. But apparently the game keeps going, because then when you turn it on, either that or it starts early, and then the screen takes a while to start up, because uh, a lot of things happen between when you turn it off and when you turn it on, let's say. So it's never a good idea.
0: The Vita is perfect. It's the Vita just, is perfect. It just that. freezes where you are. It goes to sleep very quietly. And then when you want want it again, you just press the button and then it doesn't put you right in the action. You still have to slide your finger across and you know, it doesn't it doesn't screw you over in any way. It's like a
3: girl. What? So what what about the show?
0: Uh, the show uh haven't really played too many baseball games. I I mean, I may have played a few. It's not like not like Neo Geo baseball, All-Stars or whatever, obviously. It's a realistic game. Doesn't look as i I played it both on the Vita and the PS3 and I I think i might like the vita version more the um the playstation version the ps3 version i don't think looks as great as i thought it could i mean coming off nba um 2k12 which looked astounding i know this isn't an nba game and there this is outdoors There's not as many lights and but the crowd is just kind of there you know the ball goes into the crowd and the crowd doesn't re- even really stir they don't try to catch, it would be nice if they all tried to catch the ball like they do in real life. But the, 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 the graphics are kind of a letdown. I think they look a little bit better on the, on the Vita because it's on that small screen. It's, it kind of looks even a little higher res. Of course, my TV broke and I'm using a, um, a slightly worse TV than, than I had. But this is still, I'm still viewing it in 720p. It should look a little better than it does. I'll probably have to look at it on a, on a better screen at some point. But uh, I'm, having, I'm having a little bit of fun with the game. It's uh,
3: Well, are you big on baseball in general? No, or are you just, no. So why the fuck are you playing this? Because <laughs> it just fell into my lap. All right. It just fell into my lap. I wouldn't touch a boring-ass goddamn baseball game. You know, reason. I play
2: I play Baseball Superstars on the iPhone just because at least then you can just play as a batter and it only skips to your turns. I, you don't I, have to deal with all the, the other bullshit. Yeah, in
0: the season mode or in the, I forgot. Well, they have a lot of career. Modes. This is yeah, kind of like a career mode where you make your own rookie. It'll only you only have to play the parts that you're actually in. If you're a pitcher, they will only go to the innings that you pitch, and then you do your pitching business. And when you're at bat, they'll they'll show you're at bat so that you can you can try to get on base. But other, it doesn't force you to watch anything. And you can sim the whole season if you want. But this is this is definitely a step below the experiences that I had in the NBA 2K12, where there was a much richer season mode. But baseball is just more boring than basketball. So I think we're kind of limited by the God, source yes. material.
3: Well, I've only liked, like, Baseball Stars and then Ken Griffey Jr. and Super Nintendo, which is just like a ripoff of Baseball Stars. Those are the only games I've ever really enjoyed playing. As far as a
0: baseball game, I don't think there's much more they could do to make this game better. I think they could make it a little more flashy, but then it wouldn't be true to the game. Maybe the, the career mode could be a little flashier where you have to deal more with endorsements. Like you did in NBA 2K12, there were you, you were worried about endorsements. And even in the uh, UFC, um, what is it, Unlimited or that came out, Unlimited 3, you had to worry about your sponsors a little bit. This is just kind of missing that. But the actual baseball itself, the pitching, uh, they've got all kinds of ways you can do it depending on your skill level. And that's something I really like because I talked about it at length on previous shows where you have something that's friendly to beginners but will also accommodate the people that really know what they're doing. And I'm kind of a beginner to this and, and I was able to set everything so that I could have fun and feel like i was i was progressing and learning more about how to play so that i'll eventually play on the on the harder level. so it it succeeds is that it's uh one of the better received sports games out there so i i got MLB for with my PSP and i i never played it on the PSP so i said eh, i'll i'll check it out on the Vita i felt guilty now if they could just combine Automatius with baseball and uh, in WWE, group, this would be a baseball game with little
3: girls in it. <laughs> and panty shots. I'd consider it. Alright, Chris?
2: Um, I mean, the main thing I've been playing is Mass Effect 3. And what a like, surprise. I know, right? I don't know how much I want to talk about that, because most of the stuff I really want to go on about would be probably spoilers to some extent. But, huge improvement over Mass Effect 2. Like, I think it's running on the same engine, but the actual the movement and a lot of the combat they've like greatly improved all the powers, just even your basic abilities like having power up melee attacks, um actually being able to like run around. It's not as stiff when you charge. Like you can run off to the side and the game actually lets you... You don't do this kind of gentle curve. The camera's kind of weird
3: about it, though, still, when you run.
2: It is. Yeah, It kind of locks you into running in a specific direction as a sprint. But, like, you can actually sort of move from side to side, and your character will will animate with that, and it looks good. They've made a lot of improvements, which is just, it's nice all over the place. Still kind of sucks having to swap discs, since I'm on the 360 version. And they do but... it worse
3: than Part 2, I think. Like, Part 2, I had to do it once, near the middle of the game, and here I had to do it almost immediately. I was like, what's, what's mm, going on, guys?
2: Maybe you played it different, because I did it with a bunch in Part 2 as well. Maybe it's because, I, I don't know, I think it's like somewhere where they they store some of the info for, like, side quests. Because it was just like, I would go through and I completely clear out all the side quests I can. Then I do a main story. Okay. I don't know. I remember switching it, like, a few times, at least, in Mass Effect 2. Um, And I've I've had to do it... I think I'm at, like, 20 hours in Mass Effect 3, and I've had to swap probably, like, four times or so. So... I mean, it's in there, which does kind of suck. The... The replacement for planet scanning, it, I don't know. It seems like every time they want to come up with with some kind of um, like treasure hunt, basically, but they always have to make it annoying somehow. Like there was definitely too much of the makeup. I didn't mind the makeup. I didn't think it was a big problem, but there was a lot of it for when you're basically just sort of bumping around empty landscapes. Mass Effect 2 had the planet scanning, which took a long time. It was boring. And then in this one, it's like you do scans when you're just out in an area, which is not a problem. But then your scans have a chance to cause Reaper attacks, and then you have to run away until you've completed a mission, and then come back. And it's like uh, that's kind of stupid. Well,
3: you, it doesn't. It's not that bad when you when when you're looking for something and it ends up being on a planet because you're, you're usually scanning around planets anyway. But then you're like fifty percent, and there's something somewhere in this area that you have to just scan a yeah. particular it's like and it's always north... like fuel or something you know like great fuel thanks. yes
2: that's like northwest corner some empty pocket in the middle of space it's like oh oh yeah sure like i would have fucking checked that it's like
3: all we want to do is i want to go to a planet read the little fucking information blurb about it press one button and have the entire planet scanned and it gives me things sometimes that's it yes. that's all i want what is so fucking hard about that like why don't you understand that this is what i want and it would make everything so much better
2: I I don't I don't get it. It's like they they have to make it annoying for some reason. Like whatever it is, they can't just give you the resources. They have to be like, "No. No, there needs to be some kind of risk to it, no matter how fucking stupid it is. Even if that risk is you might fall asleep playing the you game. You might
4: die
3: from boredom."
2: <laughs> yes. Um one of the other things that I thought was kind of weird is like you have this galactic readiness.
3: I love that I love that that it's such a random statistic, right? Like, what does it mean? And they just talk about it all the time. It's like galactic readiness.
2: The thing I don't get is that, like, it's at 50%, and it's been stuck at 50%, and I'm, like, 20 hours into the game. I've cleared out all the side quests and everything. My galactic readiness is still at 50%. I start playing the iPhone game, and you can collect Intel in there, and it's like I play maybe, like, not even an hour of that game. And I've improved my galactic readiness, like, to 52%. Well,
3: I played I played multiplayer with Chucks and them one night, and my galactic readiness is at 64% across the board.
2: Yeah, so... like, the the multiplayer improves it, the iPhone games improves it, but I I think there was, like, something... I thought there was something in the single-player game that also boosted it, but nothing so far has done anything.
3: Well, did you take that reporter with you when you were at the Citadel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That should have boosted it by, like, 100 points. I don't know what that ends up being in percentages, but...
2: I don't know, she's fucking sitting in my hold, like, hey, how's it going? She does interviews once in a while, and I go, you don't really look good in that dress, but...
3: No, her face is kind of... She has a funny little monkey-rabbit face. But, like, everything you do should... I mean, all the little things you do should be improving that galactic readiness. As far as I know, I don't know.
2: Actually, you know, one other thing I noticed, which you will not get to experience, Mizo, is they fixed Miranda's teeth.
3: They didn't need fixing. That's just her teeth, man. She had just, like that's just the way she has buck teeth. Yeah,
2: yeah, she had those little buck teeth. Like they're that's they're kind of gone. They're shaved down a little bit.
3: Really, I thought she was genetically perfect. Why would they? Why would they change her?
0: If she were genetically perfect, she'd have no teeth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> God damn it, Nick! Wow. I could be wrong on this, but I think they might have shrunk Miranda's breasts and enlarged Liara's.
3: Liara's breasts are definitely larger. That <laughs> they is not, are. You are not huge. making that up. They are huge. They were not that big before. She's entering her matriarch stage of giant memories. I don't have, know. What's have you going listened? On with that. Have you listened
2: to their conversations about that? No, I haven't oh, heard. Oh, it's any. fantastic. I'm not that there's, deep
3: into it. I've done like two
4: things. Okay,
2: there, there's ways to set it up, and there's a great Excellent. conversation where someone else goes on and on about Liara's mother's breasts, and Liara is just like, I don't need to hear this. It's fantastic. Well, uh, you know what? They
3: also they changed hair for the better from Part 2. In Part 2, yes. all your hair was really greasy looking, and it, it was! And some strands were always out of place. You know, like like you you have messy hair, kind of. Like, there were no good haircuts. And then in Part 3, you have, like, Perfectly coiffed, like, out-of-the-salon haircuts. Coiffed. Coiffed. Whatever. So, uh, I don't know what prompted this change, but, like, uh, what's oh, the name of so that Hispanic chick from the first game and barely in the second game? Uh, the one that gets her face smashed in in the first few minutes? She doesn't die, but she gets her face fucking destroyed. What's her name? Ashley. Ashley. Ashley yeah. She they looks gave completely her, like, real different ha- because of her hair. <laughs> Like, and, even and makeup, even possibly. Shepard didn't
2: recognize her. Like, Shepard was like, wait, what? Like, walks past her and is like, Ashley? She's and, like, even I, and I was like, yeah, wait, she, wait, what?
3: She's like a bruiser. She's not like, she's effeminate to a point, but she's like a tough, you know, like army girl. She's not like this pretty little bitch done up. I like you know? how all was of us weird. let
2: Kaiden die. Like, we're all immediately like, yeah, Ashley, yeah, you remember her. Yeah, of course. Like, Kaiden, who the fuck is that? <laughs>
3: everybody like kaiden die. fuck that guy
2: oh it was like that um that shirt i've seen floating around the net which was like uh what was it hoping for garris will settle for kaiden I was like really come on who settles for kaiden
3: kaiden ugh yeah i know right so i, I it's kind of neat that that this game has some because of the first game and the second game it has some i didn't like how how they kind of threw away the whole choice of who you put up to be in the council did you notice that
2: yeah <laughs> it just kinda I, know, gets I was tossed definitely out the window. like I was like, like, "Hey, where did? How did he get yeah, there?" Yeah, I'm like, "I see
3: what you did, you bastards, uh,
2: dicks." Um, but yeah, like eh, that was kind of annoying. There was, th- there's definitely a few things that I think that they underplayed more than I was expecting them to. I was expecting certain decisions to resonate a little bit harder. All you but... get
3: is, like, an email or something, and that's the end of that. You're like, oh, yeah. okay.
2: Well, not even just that, but certain things just seem regulated to, like, a side mission, and I was like, ah, I was expecting more to go on there. Um, but even, so, I mean, there's still time for a lot of stuff to, like, build up at least a little bit. But it is, it is nice, because there's, like, there's so many characters throughout the series that you pretty much can't do anything in the game without running into characters. From before. Like it's just this constant reunion of wrangling (laughs) stuff around. Which, you know, is kind of ridiculously convenient that you would wherever you go, you run into people you know when there's a huge galaxy war going on. Right, but it's still, like, you know, it's cool that there's that many people that they've introduced, and, I mean, at least that I actually remember, and there's, like, I mean, tons of, like, DLC characters and stuff from, like, Mass Effect 2, and just everyone shows up. It's awesome. I love it.
3: Well, so so far, uh, I think the dialogue's been handled a little bit better than in Part 2. When I talked to... I forgot her name again, by the way. We just we just fucking brainstormed for it. Ashley? And it's already gone. Ashley. Uh, when you first meet her, so like, little she, means she, to. <laughs> she at least puts up some sort of resistance before trusting you again, you know? Whereas in Mass Effect 2, every person, you're like, oh, you were dead. Okay, cool. Let's hang out, you know? We're BFFs again. It's like, you're dead? You're working for Cerberus? Okay, let's hang out. And it was just kind of like a throwaway thing. But here, at least Ashley was... I haven't gotten to too many other people, so I don't know if that if that keeps throughout the game. But you'll, it definitely you'll see works a lot of stuff little back and forth.
2: Yeah, they definitely. It, it's weird because there's a lot of characters who won't join your group, but they have good reasons for it, and they do still come in and affect a lot of things back and forth. And so that's pretty nice. And then one thing that I wasn't expecting um, was that there was this. I was talking with a side character from one of the previous games, and I was just I made this comment. And I sort of, like, debated, and I was like, huh, that's an interesting choice, but I went with what I thought would be the, like, the kind of stronger, good choice to be, like, a little bit more independent. And then, like, three or four hours later, like, a bunch of stuff happens, and I'm walking around, and I hear two other people talking about how this person um, just got killed out in the open. And I was like, wait, what? This was... This was like, you know, like a, a side character from a previous game who I actually liked and was what, like What you're part talking of about Mass crew. Effect 2? Yeah, like they were from Mass Effect 2.
3: Are you talking about that dude that's hauling up your no. junk? Cuz that happened no. to me in Mass Effect 2.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, there was this right. was something else and it was just like and this person got killed and if you had, you know, like watched what you said like a few hours earlier, they actually could have survived. Hmm. It was just like, "Oh, oh, I I got them killed." I totally did not expect Mass Effect to be, like... Because normally with Mass Effect, like, you make a choice, and it matters right then. As opposed to something like The Witcher, where you make a choice, and then it shows up again, like, like three, four hours later, and it's like, oh, shit, wow, okay. Stuff is starting to resonate from here on out. Um, And so this was, like, it just kind of threw me off, because I, I was not expecting Mass Effect to be, like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, you you fucked up. <laughs> like way, way long ago, and I'm doing my my normal, like, I have two saves that I alternate back and forth, so it's not like I could go back and be like, if I wanted to, and like oh, I'm gonna replay all these hours of collecting all the shit that I've recollected, like, no, fuck you, but, like, that it's not even a choice, even if I wanted to because I don't have the save point, but still it's just like, hmm, that was surprising, and now I'm sad
0: Miz, have you been playing anything besides Mass Effect?
3: How about, did I talk about Silent Hill 2 last week or no?
0: You talked about every freaking game that well, I've did ever I talk heard about of Hill last 2? week. I could not believe no, how many wasn't games last you week. played.
3: That
2: was like two weeks
3: ago.
0: Oh, I, I was just editing it, so to me, it was, seemed like last okay. week.
2: <laughs> yeah but you talked about so much that it's gone on i sh- i know even i noticed it was going
3: like when i was listening to it i was like oh my god and i even wrote something like i'm like nick you should have cut off like i did i think after we
0: uh, after we hung up i think you just kept talking for like another two hours to yourself because Maybe. you just i do that it's like, oh man i forgot i also played
2: <laughs> these other games <laughs> it does that when he goes to work
3: it was like a bunch of stuff i had been playing a little by little over time kind of ended up I finished them that week, and then I started like two or three games that week. For next
0: week's podcast, I would like you to play every launch title for PS3, Xbox 360, and the Wii. Okay, you don't have to do the Wii.
3: But yeah, I I know like Silent Hill Collection is coming up soon, the HD Collection, I think the end of the month and end of March. And I've heard a lot of uh, conflicting reports on it. It doesn't look like Konami's putting in the effort that you would expect them to. Uh It only includes Silent Hill 2 and 3, which we've grown to, uh, expected to, I think. I don't think PlayStation 1 games get included in these collections ever these days. But um it looks like they've... Well, they've redone the voice acting because they had to, I think, because of licensing issues or that kind of crap. And I think people wanted royalties from a game, and uh, you don't get royalties as a voice actor in video games, not really. So they have to redo the... um the voice acting for Silent Hill 2 and 3. And I, I just played part two because I, I don't want to buy the HD collection, so I'm gonna play through part two and three on the PS2, which I never finished previously. And uh playing through part two, I don't understand why people are crying that there's gonna be a new voice over session because I think it needs it, because the voice because in this people game are, are
2: fucking nostalgic.
3: Well, aside from nostalgia, the voices in this game are fucking hilarious. Yes, they are. Like, hilariously bad. Like, there's one good voice actor in the game, and that's Mary, your wife. And when she reads that letter at the very end of the game, the one that she writes, you know, gives to a nurse to give to you after she dies, that's, it was actually really well done. I was, I was captivated by this letter. Everything else where a person opens their stupid fat mouth in this game is awful.
2: Awful. Did you, did you see the comparison video? Like they actually had one where it went back and forth and it was like here are the no, lines from the original, here are the so, lines so from is the redone now? version. Is the redone version good or
3: acceptable? I, at least? I
2: thought it actually sounded a little bit better. Like it sounded a little bit more natural. A little a lot bit the, better.
3: It should it should sound a th- it should sound a thousand times better if it even approaches normal human speech.
2: Like the a lot of the I don't know, a lot of the fans were just like, Oh my god, this the remake sounds like complete fucking trash and I'm like, No, I I actually think it sounds a little better. I, I, I kind of prefer well, I
3: know that the original sounds like trash. So if if they have approximated, you know, like how people actually talk in real life with the second one, then I think it's gonna be a vast improvement. But I don't know. Again, I wouldn't know. And I really enjoyed playing Silent Hill too. John was making fun of I played with John, so I have to talk about him too. But uh he he didn't like it. He didn't like the game. He would put it down constantly. And I was kinda surprised because I mean, while it does do a lot of things if he, uh, you have to remember, I think, and he got tired of hearing me say this, but you have to remember when it came out. This is like an early PlayStation 2 game. I thought it was launch. Obviously, it's not launch Windows, it didn't come up, but it's, it's a fairly early PlayStation 2 game. And uh, I think it was one of the first that was all 3D with a 3D camera. So uh, it doesn't do a good job of having that 3D camera in a survival horror game, but... I think it was still one of the first to do it. So uh, just the fact that it had it and you could control it in any way, no matter how clumsy, was an actual step forward.
2: I mean, it was it was nice. Like, I mean, the first the first Silent Hill had, or, yeah, the first Silent Hill had controllable camera for the yeah. most part.
4: I don't remember having uh, like, controllable camera.
2: It locked when you were, you know, in like inside. I think certain buildings and inside mm-hmm. like alleyways and stuff like that. But when you were running around the city.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, it did kind of swing around a little bit.
2: You could spin it around and watch the hilariously terrible models of like dogs like leap at you. I mean, they were.
3: What I think he, what I think he missed out on with the experience of, of playing through this game with me is is the actual atmosphere of the game itself. You know, like if you're in a well lit living room playing through this game with like an asshole and you're making fun of it the whole time, you're not gonna get the same experience as playing this game by yourself. In your room, it's fucking dark and it's the middle of the night, and you're playing Silent Hill 2 by yourself. You, that's right, Cat, you really get into it, you know?
0: Yeah, say what you will about those dogs, but they were terrifying. (laughs) When you were playing at night, and I was in a big room, and I was in the corner of the room, and this big empty room behind me, and and it wasn't the dogs so much because the dogs were kind of freaky, but those, those, those damn little black holes of children that were in the school, those little, those little, um, like those little shadow kids yeah, yeah, that would come kids. up to you and just right. stand there. They freaked the hell out of me. I'm sure we'll That's talk about game. survival yeah, horror yeah. and I'll bring this story up again. But those kids were the freakiest thing I've ever seen in a video game. No, there I was agree. just something about them. They were just they didn't try to attack you as I recall, <laughs> um, at the be at least at the beginning. They just came and they just kinda stood there. You were in this school and it was fog outside and you knew if you stepped out the dogs would come after you and you said there's just there's no hope in this world. This, this is this is the worst place I've ever been in a game.
3: Well, th- this is why I think part two ended up being so successful and so popular, is that part one had those elements where when you first start playing the game, you don't know what's going on. And uh it does draw you into the atmosphere and it, it does it's it's Japanese horror, which is even better for us because it's it's less uh it's not like American horror where we at least understand where it's coming from. It's it's so fucking alien that it's really off putting. But Silent Hill 1 was frightening until the point where they start explaining what's going on. When they start telling you about the whole uh, the whole cult thing and, you know, they're trying to summon this demon and stuff, there's a certain point where the game takes a turn from what the fuck is going on, this place is fucking with me, I, I'm really just scared being here, to, okay, I see what's happening, I have to put a stop to it. And it kind of goes from being like vulnerable victim to action hero, time to kill the demon type of thing. And I think that's the point where the game stopped being scary for me. And I would just run through the fog with impunity, avoiding enemies, and not, I was taken out of that frame of mind that I had when I started the game of mystery, of, uh, suspense, or, or even just, you know, just general, uh, horror, I guess you would say. And what I like about part two is that it never does that. Like, it never takes you out of it because it never, it's almost a, it's almost like, like Silent Hill Gaiden. It's like a side story of Silent Hill. It's like, There was this town, and yes, it's fucked up, and I'm sure it was because of the cult and the demon and all that kind of crap, or the god or whatever it's supposed to be, but James and his wife visited this town a long time ago, and now he comes back, and all this shit is fucked up because of the town, but James doesn't care about why it's fucked up. He doesn't try to solve the problem of Silent Hill. He just faces his own inner demons, manages to make it out alive, and that's as good as it's going to get for James. And I think that's what makes this game so much better than Part 1 or even Part 3, because you don't get into the stupid bullshit that you don't need to get into to make a good horror story. That's just me. I,
2: I still think that each of them had, like, you know, at least certain amazing moments. I mean, some of my favorite Silent Hill 3 moments occurred late in the game, like, even when they were going through the whole stupid cult shit. Well, see, I haven't made
3: um, it. I haven't made it through Silent Hill 3 yet. That's up next. So. Okay.
2: Yeah, there's there's a fantastic moment late on, at least for me. I thought it was great. I mean, probably my my favorite Silent Hill 2 moment was. I mean, outside of like a lot of the cutscenes with Pyramid Head and all that, was at one point I think I I tried to hide in a closet to to get away from some of the creatures, but I ended up instead being trapped inside of there with those mannequin leg creatures. So I'm in this little tiny closet. And there's like the chest headlight just flipping around all over the place while I'm beating the fuck out of a mannequin in this this little tiny closet. You couldn't really tell what was going on. And it was just so perfectly Silent Hill to me. It was like, nothing about this makes sense. And really, this is the act of a crazy man. Just locked in a room, wailing away on something for no good reason. I, I love that. That was just like a defining moment for me.
3: That was kind of in Silent Hill too. You jump down a lot of fucking holes, man. I, I didn't remember that, but near the end, you jump down at least five or six holes that are too deep for you to tell how deep they really are. And James looks at it. And it's like, yeah, fuck it, and he jumps down. And sometimes, sometimes he's on his ass, cause, and sometimes he's like face down, <laughs> and sometimes he's okay. But each of these falls are are big falls, and it's just really funny how it keeps happening. I don't know if that was like a running theme or it was supposed to be a. Some kind of like symbolic uh, meaning to it, but for me, it became a running gag, and it got funnier every time because I would get to a hole and I'm like, "Of course, there's a fucking hole here, and of course, James is going to jump into it." Then you find like an empty grave, and his doesn't have a bottom to it, so yep, he jumps right into it, and he just keeps jumping down these fucking holes. It was so weird. It was so weird.
2: Guys, I'm trapped in a crazy land. I need to jump down some holes.
3: He does. Let's do this. But anyway, I really enjoy Silent Hill too. I got the ending where I walked away with that Laura girl. I did not like the Laura girl, and I don't like the implication that I may actually go on to adopt her. But uh it was a pretty good ending considering the alternative endings. Like I didn't want to end up with Maria. Fuck Maria. No, well <laughs> from the first batch of endings I think I'm gonna spoil everything. I don't care about Silent Hill too. I think <laughs> Somebody you stop can either him. you end up with Laura with like the little girl, like because she was friends with Mary. And Mary kind of wanted to adopt her in her last few crazy years of life. So you, I think the implication is that you adopt Laura, or you end up with that Maria girl. Oh, hold like, on, hold on.
0: Have you played this part this week? Sunhill Hill 2? The part you're talking about now, have you played that part of the game this week? What do you mean? Are you trying to shut him down, this The scenario that you're describing now, is this something you've played in the last seven days, or are you reminiscing? yeah, yeah. This- yeah. Silent Hill
3: 2 we played and it it took us like two days to beat. It's like a
4: seven hour it's like an eight hour long game. I'll stop. I
3: don't care. Oh. I was just just wondering
0: because it seems like you're doing a Silent Hill retrospective and I said well.
3: Well, I'm just talking about part two and that's the game that we beat. It only takes like seven and a half hours or so. It's not a huge game or anything. Well I mean that's it. You know I played it. I liked it. It was good. Okay. Next. The end. Yeah. (laughs)
2: There you go. All right.
0: okay. right. That'll do just fine for this week. <laughs> all right, everybody remember to join us at www.thenextlevel.com, hyphen after the. There search for the next level in Google or Bing. You can also find all our previous episodes there so you can see the evolution of our little of our little podcast there. You can give us a call at 312-233-2865. Share some of your console launch stories. Were you around for the first generation? Did you get into a knife fight over a PS2? Did you buy a Jaguar or 3DO when it came out? Or if you have anything else to share, it's 312 Don't let Korean be there by himself. He's blazed the trail. We need to follow it. We need to follow it.
1: Sorry, my call, call got dropped again. It's Korean again, and... I was wondering if there would be a possibility in the future if I could do a proposal for a piece on NEC and the turbo graphics and the evolution into the turbo duel and some of the failures and struggles it had in North America compared to Japan. I like the news stuff, but I also think there's an audience for some of the retro gaming systems and games, just as you had discussed Zelda 2, I believe, in one of your previous podcasts. All right, you take care. Thanks, bye.
0: And uh, we will follow this episode next week with the rest of the hardware console launches. And uh, hopefully Sleeve and Chuck will be back. Or Eric and Chuck. Thank you, everybody. In the meantime, let's put it on pause.